0: you're listening to a talk of spirit anime cast my name is andrew i'm joined here with chris today's episode is our first parter of our spring 2022 anime season reviews we have a ton of titles to go through next week we'll have a ton more i almost wanted to do three week layout but i i always hate that because by the time you get to the third week it's like you start reminding yourself like what you thought of the show because it's already it's already leaving you because the new season's kicking up but yeah, this week we have Vampire in the Garden, Ascendance of Bookworm Season 3, Yaboi Kong Ming, or Komei, San Is Indecipherable, or Aherensan Wa Hakaranai, The Executioner and Her Way of Life, Science Fell in Love, So I tried to Prove It Season 2, Dance 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 tse. Trapped in a Dating Sim, The World of Atome Games is Tough for Mobs, Healer Girl, I'm Quitting Heroing, Tomodachi Game, The Greatest Demon Lord is Reborn as a Typical Nobody, Day I on, and RPG Real Estate. It's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot. But that's good. That's good for people that listen because they're like, Oh, okay, tons of content. Don't no, no matter that Andrew suffers. <laughs> it don't matter that Andrew suffers. We get tons of content. Um, the appreciation is appreciated, as they say. So I don't I don't know what they say that I said that, but anywho, as usual from my You can go there for all of our links to our social media, Discord, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, as well as ways that you can support us through Patreon, through Tips Link. All that kind of stuff. We definitely appreciate everybody that supports us. And if you're listening on YouTube, you can hit that Super Thanks button to to show your appreciation. But, um, yeah. With that said, let's jump right into it. Because it's going to be a long recording, probably. Let's start things off with Vampire in the Garden. This one was streaming on Netflix. Ran for five episodes. Done by Wit Studio. It is an original. The genres are action drama fantasy. And this one follows... It takes place in a world where vampires suddenly showed up. And since there was tons of humans, (laughs) tons of food... The vampires quickly spread throughout the world. At some point, humankind kind of found one last beach, uh, bastion of hope. They they seclude themselves behind this wall of light, basically this big you know fortress that has tons of light so that the vampires can't come in. And um, we follow Momo, who is a child that lives in this fortress. And she's, it kind of gives us indication that everybody's kind of trying to live as much as possible within this location. So everybody's got a number and she's a number but as we'll quickly find out, her mother is actually the, the leader of, the, is like the general of the army itself. And so there's a lot of expectations upon her, but she just kind of wants to enjoy her time. But she does join the army eventually and starts going out on missions to clear out vampires in the surrounding areas. some point, she runs into a child vampire and kind of hesitates for a moment. Uh, that child has this little music box with her and it kind of throws her off. But then the vampire decides to inject this Serum thing they use that makes them, like, awaken their true power, which is, like, very difficult for them to handle. Uh, But she survives. But she takes this music box back home, hides it because apparently (laughs) mankind has decided to completely ban music because vampires have very heightened senses so they can hear music even though they're behind the walls with lots of noise. Anyways, (laughs) that aside, (laughs) on the other side of the whole thing, we follow Fine. And Finae is seemingly a princess of the the vampires themselves. Doesn't seem to care too much about it. Uh, finds the war against the humans to be, you know, just wasteful. Uh, what's the point in taking over the lands from the humans when it's just being covered with blood? Um, so, kind of a neutralist and wants to keep things neutral, wants to get rid of war, that kind of stuff. So doesn't want to get herself involved at all. Well, just so happens, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you know it? These two meet. <laughs> As the vampires attack the humans, um, Finae, off on her own, ends up running into Momo, who's, you know, just trying to get away from all the battling and stuff like that. And um, Finae decides to swoop up Momo because she was singing a song that kind of reminded her of somebody from the past. And so it kind of follows the two of them. Yeah, Momo's not too happy about being taken away by some vampire. But at the same time, the two of them find some common ground in music. And in this kind of common ground... The two of them seek to find the one place where both humans and vampires can live peacefully kind of thing. So, yeah, Starcross lovers, insert that. I was was wondering (laughs) if we were going for... for. It's not really... It it definitely has that aspect because, obviously, the two sides are warring. Uh, The vampires don't like the idea that their princess is running off with some human, obviously. The other side, the, the general's not too happy about her daughter being whisked away, and that looks bad upon her. So, you know, it's the the relationship and the friendship that's not allowed, but uh, at the same time, the two of them wanting to get away from everything and just live happy. But um, yeah, it's not, it, it, it kind of feels very lover, star-crossed lovers at first, but that it kind of doesn't really rely on it too much. I think, first of all, the thing that I love most about this, this five episodes, kind of feels like a movie. It has a very, you know, a fluid storyline that it kind of goes through. I think the pacing is perfect in this series. It never feels like it's, you know, hanging on a note. It just kind of keeps moving. It doesn't move too fast. So pacing, perfect. Uh, I don't like the style. (laughs) Like, I don't like the art style at all. I think But Studio did a fantastic job of kind of utilizing that style, but it's not my favorite style ever. Characters have very kind of oval heads, very plain looking um, but visually outside of that very beautiful minus the cgi cars and those <laughs> there was one particular scene where this car just like they're they're in this car and it takes off and it just looks like it's just jumping around on the mountains off in the distance is like that looked terrible <laughs> don't ever do that again <laughs> uh yeah cgi cars they don't look that great but Everything outside of that, visually, artistically, looks very beautiful. They did a really good job with tones, colors, and all that kind of stuff to really make the show, despite the fact that I have my misgivings of the art style, just really pop. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I said this earlier, the, the pacing's perfect, and I think the story's really solid. And I think that really comes in the two focal characters, Momo and Feeney, and I think they did a really good job of their character. Like I, I, I believe that with Momo... She's kind of a character that, at first, seems like she's just kind of slouching around and whining, kind of. Like, she's very childlike. But by the end of the show, you really do see the, uh, this confidence come inside of her that really does change her character a lot. And that's kind of odd, because on the opposite end, Fine's character it changes as well. And you could argue that it's her, you know, losing character. Any idea that she gets weaker. Like, she has a lot of confidence at the very beginning, whereas towards the later part, she doesn't have confidence. And that's really in the instincts of the vampire itself. Because I think this writer is one of those types that doesn't kind of shy away from uh, reality. Like, the writer does allow the characters to have to exist and live and struggle in the realities of the world they're in, which is, yes, vampires, and they want blood. <laughs> so you do have, you know, the idea of the fears that Fine has around Momo, who she starts to care for a lot, and now she's obviously has these desires, because Finae is one of those vampires that never drinks blood kind of things, um, and how that affects them. But like I said earlier, I really, I really like how they managed to bring in the realities of the world itself, and not really sugarcoat it. Um, really kind of examine it and allow the characters to fail and do horrible things, but at the same time, learn, reflect, and change based on it. And I think that's where it's not just mean for the sake of being mean, but mean for character growth and mean for characters to learn something from it. On the opposite end, I really do like the fact that a lot of the characters, the side characters around Momo and Fine, there's not much to them. They do give a little bit of context to one of the side characters um, who's currently chasing after Momo, um, under the orders of Dobara, they do kind of get a little bit into him, and it's really kind of a reflection of what was and what is now. This idea that because I failed here, will you fail too? Um, this won't happen because it, I, it couldn't happen for me, and how somebody could stand up and change that going forward. Um, so they're very simple stories on the sidelines, but they're they're still solid to driving the main storyline, which I thought was good, which again is the idea of Two warring sides, trying to find something in between, um, having peace and being alone, but having the world itself bearing down on you. And like I said, not sugarcoating that, not giving some fantastic. Nothing has, not everything has to be peachy in the end, obviously. Um, nothing really changes just because one girl stands up and changes the world kind of thing. It's the immovable object, so to speak. So, like I said before, it's not. Not groundbreaking story here, but it was a really solid five episodes to tell a really solid story that I thoroughly enjoyed with studio being there a lot of the action scenes a lot of the the drama that happens throughout the the series looks absolutely fantastic um a lot of the scenes where they do have you know people fighting over <laughs> uh combat uh, fighting over Momo and meet fine and and all that kind of stuff around that is was was spectacular so I really did enjoy it I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, like I said before, it's not, not sugar-coated, great pacing. I wouldn't say, I would say perfect pacing. Um, it was never a lulling point throughout this series. So definitely a suggestion from me if you're looking for a solid vampire show, at the same time, don't expect like some groundbreaking overall story. It's a really solid story about two people just trying to find, you know, somewhere where they can be (laughs) alone away from the wars kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, that's Vampire in the Garden. Check it out if that sounds interesting to you. Fortunately, on Netflix, <laughs> enjoy that $20 admission fee. <laughs> or, or other methods. Uh, there's, there's other methods, too, I guess. Uh, moving on, we have a sentence of a bookworm. Season 3. Honzuki no kakikocho shisho ni naru tame ni wa shudan wo edit I hate this word every time I have to say it. Eren de ira... Re Masasin. Masin. Sorry. <laughs> Third season. <laughs> I'm just gonna say the original, the English title from now on. This one streamed on Crunchyroll around for 10 episodes, done by Studio Do. the source is a light novel, the genres are fantasy, and slice of life. I guess to start things off, uh, slight spoilers, um, I don't think we'll get into anything super spoilery, but... I just want to put that in there. I highly recommend people just going to check out the series completely blind. Just jump right in there start watching it because it's always been a high suggestion from us ever since the first season aired. But just wanted to get that slight warning in there just for people that don't want any spoilers because we have to talk about season three. So it's been we're way into the story at this point. But uh, yeah, this one, for those that are not aware, follows mine. She was a huge bookworm in our modern times gets transported into another world, into the body of a girl named Mine. I said Mine twice, huh? A girl, who's a bookworm, gets transported into the body of a girl named Mine. <laughs> and she's in this other world. She's in a family of commoners, and then there's nobles in this world that have all the power plus also magical power. And at some point, we find out that Mine's new body that she's in, or at least the body of Mine, that's a very confusing, confusing to say for some reason right now. <laughs> she's a very frail body uh, She gets really sick really easily Can't really go out on her own uh, Of course she really b- badly wants a book So she decides to uh, Because she's a commoner Doesn't have money to buy books Books are only for really nobles and very rich people She decides that she's going to make books So she's using technology and knowledge of our current times To make her own book And eventually the, because of her Her illness which they come to find out Is called devouring Which is this kind of an over amounts of mana um, because they find out about that, she gets the interest of the church, where she's able to work there, get rid of the mana, and thus sustain her life. At the same time, her work's trying to create her own printing press and everything like that starts to get the attention of the the uh, the guilds and stuff that run different parts of merchant merchant work that happens. Um, so she's catching the attention of a lot of people, obviously, <laughs> and this uh, this affects her life a lot. And so it kind of turns into a game of not really cat and mouse, but just her kind of trying to keep, the people around her trying to keep her status a secret while at the same time trying to keep her in places that can keep her safe from people that want to either abuse her or use her knowledge um, against her will. Uh, obviously, different powers, nobles and stuff that want her power itself while, you know, like I said, the merchant guilds and stuff wanting to take her and, and use her knowledge for their own benefit. So. Yeah, eventually she gets into the church, and that was pretty much most of the second season was her in the church. And I think in the third season, the more the focus kind of shifts to uh, pretty much the merchants wanting to find her, and then yes, certain people of the church itself trying to exploit her as well. So, I I, <laughs> I, I realized I was re- I was recording my third season review, and um, I at some point realized it's it's a it sucks to say this, but I think one of the things I'm growing more and more in love with with this series is, and this, like I said, it's really sad to say this, is that mine is, like, internally suffering. Like, she is the type that is always suffering. She's always being put through terrible stuff. This isn't ReZero, where it's, like, you know, blood and gore and bloom and stuff like that. It's it's more just suffering through losing things and trying to establish things, but then losing it again. I'd argue that she's, in a sense, been a three times at this point. <laughs> just from like one safety and comfort to the next safety and comfort to the next safety and comfort, always establishing the new norms for herself, but then getting ripped out of it again against her will. And I think that that, despite that the positive nature of mine has always been kind of the shining beacon and that no matter, yes, it's because she always finds a driving force. She always has this goal in mind, but at the same time, she always has this positive nature. That's, she seems like she's extremely selfish. She's a very selfish character in the idea that she doesn't really care. She just wants to read a book. I want to get my book. <laughs> like, the the whole thing with the orphanage was, I guess I'll go handle the situation with the orphanage because I can't enjoy my book unless I do that first. And it's like, yeah, you soon did, eh? <laughs> it's like this idea of, like, she's a kind-hearted person, but it always she always gets off this mask that she's a selfish person, even though she is, in a sense. But her positive nature and her willingness to help other people has always kind of pushed her forward in positivity, despite the fact that she's always had her face kind of shoved in the dirt. Um, I'll let you talk for a little bit. <laughs> I, um, I, I, of course n- we've made
1: no bones about it, how much we love this show. And I really do love the show. It, it, one of the things that is very fascinating about this particular season that I really did love is how much weight they put, put on in the background it's it's funny because you have this contrast between mine kind of in a way she seemed very oblivious to the issue and yet she was very aware of it um she just didn't it didn't seem like she was really aware of how how much weight there was and yet we as the viewers we could see her um her naivety uh, to a point just kind of bumbling along continuing forward going no it's not really as bad as you're making it out to be and you could really see how everybody else is um trying to in some ways accommodate her and at the same time uh try to press on her how much weight there is in this situation and i think that they the writer pulled that off very well, and when everything comes smashed in in her face, and she's faced with the reality of it, it, it it's as harsh as it seems. I, I think that you said in your um, in in one of your videos that this is the the best case scenario for what was really there in front of her. And it, I loved the way that the writer does that in, in this this aspect of keeping keeping her in her giving her a lot of leeway and yet still f- making her face the consequences of her actions and so I I, I really do love that that all of this stuff is is balanced in very fairly in a lot of not fairly
0: it, it just balanced well in, when it comes down to it that was the thing I always kind of come to grips with is, is like I always feel like like I love Ferdinand Ferdinand's a great character like Ferdinand's one of the best characters in anime right now he's he's it was great as, as much as i love ferdinand i love the two of them together mine and ferdinand have like a great chemistry and that's mainly because ferdinand pretty much knows who mine is and there's like this difficulty that you always kind of face where ferdinand's always helping her be comfortable he's always accommodating her with things but at the same time he's always instilling upon her this reality and the reality is always very tough to really swallow and i mean we have a a, a situation with that again towards the later part of the third season where this realization of hey mine guess what things could be a lot worse like despite the fact that we're like crap it feels like she's being ripped from things and ripped from things and ripped from things taken away from you know established relationship with people it always has this like reminder of yeah but they can all die too like there is another option (laughs) but we're choosing this direction because we kind of don't want you to go crazy. <laughs> That's the combination is what it's for. So in the case of like Ferdinand, it's always like, does he really care about mine? It always has that feeling of like, do you really care about mine? Obviously, it feels like he does. Oh, let's just be truthful. But there's always this idea of like, is he being kind because he wants to keep her in check, her emotions in check? or But it's also the opposite effect of, yes, technically, he's the first one to say, if you're a threat... I will be the first to draw my sword. If you um, are captured by another another domain, I will be the first one to end you. Like, he's willing to say, as much as you, you see the two of them and they look so great together, you are technically still a threat. And that's, like, again, one of those bottled up things of, like, I love this writer so much because this writer knows how to create side characters that aren't just puppets to mine. They're not there just to serve mine's goals. They're not there just to, you know, push her narrative forward. They're not there to serve a purpose for the next port, the part of her plotline. They're always there as their own character with their own desires and and their own goals. Ferdinand even says it at some point Like now I will finally be able to take care of This issue I've always had Like he himself has his own purposes It's typically as we've seen so far I mean he could change He could be lying To the betterment of the domain The domain that they are in They call it the, like the city or key- kingdom that they're in and They call it their, their, their domain And whatever benefits that domain is what his focus is It's not to something else Whereas other people And again he could be lying Whereas other people seem to have their own desires for their own domains and whatnot, so or they don't have a desire for the current domain. Um, it's it's really great. It's 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 really refreshing. I I always argue and we say it every single time. Don't go in this because, or don't avoid this show because it's an isekai because it's unlike any isekai you've ever watched. Yes, she's transported to another world. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and she's using knowledge from the previous world to, you know, create technologies. But that's pretty much it. Like there's, there's real, really no other. There's no her getting a harem, which you can argue Ferdinand and all these other guys around her. Lutz, <laughs> Gill, uh, the. But no, it's it's not her getting a harem. It's not you know her. Be- she's technically has an overpoweredness, but yeah, it goes to the cost. But it's killing her. <laughs> like she's I. We always argue every time we talk about the show. Ever since the first season, we had this mindset that. There's a possibility, and they maybe not, maybe didn't adapt it into the anime, or maybe it's never answered in the light novel. Um, there's an argument to be made that mine the the self that she was placed inside of died that day, and that this girl transported to this world inserted into her body after that because she's like she's deathly ill from the very beginning, and it's like, yeah, great, you have mana, but the mana is kind of poison, and yes, it can be used to be powerful. She doesn't know how to use it, and plus, it's dangerous, and plus. The whole reason she's being put through hell constantly is because of that mana. Like, It's the idea of the character that doesn't want the attention because they know that it's just going to draw unwanted attention. Um, It's kind of like that, but it's the idea that, yeah, everybody, if they know that she has that power, is going to come after her. And they will take her and, and abuse her and use her for their own gains and never have a single ounce of care for her well-being, which they could essentially kill her with that mana. So. It's not a good thing. <laughs> like Her only benefit in this world is that she has knowledge of technologies, and there's limits to that. Like She even runs into things that she doesn't know about, and so she's trying to figure it out. Um, or the rules are different in this world, such as ingredients for certain things, like inks and colors is different in this world. So it's, it's not as you can just say, well, just use this for this ink color. Well, we don't have that. We we'll, we'll use this right here. Uh, but anyways, it's it's fantastic show. It, it has always been a fantastic show. It, it's pretty much... So much that whenever I finish uh, Mushoku Tensei, I might, I might go straight into a sense of bookworm after that. But that's five years from now because of the rate that Andrew makes, reads, takes down notes, records videos for Mushoku Tensei. <laughs> it might take a while, but um, yeah, I would love to dive right into this this night novel because I'm already hearing obviously that stuff is cut for anime purposes. But um, I just it's it's kind of one of those stories where. Every every adaptation, you know, they cut stuff. There's a lot of inner dialogue and stuff that just doesn't meet pacing, and there's content that they don't think is necessarily needed for the adaptation. But it is one of those ones where I just want to know any extra detail, like anything. If she sneezed in episode 13 and we missed it because they didn't adapt it, I want to know about it. <laughs> but that's that's kind of my mentality. That means somebody's it talking about her. Exactly, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Maybe back there in episode 13, Bindewald was already working on it. But uh yeah it it is that type of show and and I'm glad this has gotten three seasons. I really do hope that we get a fourth season. um, there's nothing been confirmed at this point or stated uh, besides the typical to be continued, which literally every show does that uh, because everybody wants more adaptations um i I just I just hope that Doe, obviously this is like one of their most successful properties, if anything, and I'm hoping that it's enough that they can. You know, say, hey, guys, can we keep going? Because <laughs> it's not, it's not Ajay Do's choice, obviously. It's the publisher's choice if they want to keep adapting or the, the production committee. If they're getting benefit from it, obviously, it seems like a sense of bookworm is selling insanely well as a book series, which I'm super happy about. Um, but I just – I'd love a full adaptation of this. And I just – it's one of those ones where I'm – solid chapter close, but I always want more. Like, I always want more. Like, just keep – just keep going in the vein <laughs> yeah when it comes down to it it's 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 like
1: we're all every time this this uh the the chapter close happens it, we're, we're right there on the edge of the seat going what happens next it's not a, like a cliffhanger type ending it's just a what happens next
0: <laughs> yeah well i think it's more of the fact that so much changes like it there's these dramatic shifts in her life again that she doesn't get to choose and is often forced upon her like i mentioned the idea of the 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 isekai within isekai kind of thing. It's not that literal changing worlds, but her world is changing constantly. And I always, I struggled when we went to the church in the second season. It was like, a, I think it was, maybe it was late first season, maybe, or yeah, it might've been late first season, but I know second season, of course, going into the church stuff was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. I liked what we're doing over here in the commoner section and what she was trying to get a book. And now we're doing this stuff. And it's like every single time I go, oh, this is why the writer's doing this. I really like this. Like, every time I should... I, I, I have, at this point, found myself saying, I know the writer's going to do something for a reason. <laughs> I know this is going to be for a good reason, <laughs> even though I really hate this right now. To give credit
1: to the production team, just, just, just on a side note... I, the, the fact that there's 10 episodes in this season, when Andrew had first mentioned it to me, I was like, that's disappointing. I kind of really want more out of this. But when it comes down to it, I think that there was probably a, a solid reason for it, cutting off at the point that it did, where it was – you could see that this is a definite – into one portion of her life. And and for those of you who watch the show know exactly what we're talking those about. No, no, no. Yeah. You know exactly what we're talking about. There's an end to one part of her life and the beginning of a new part of her life. And I think that that's it, it needed to be there at that point. And, and, and anything past that point would have been probably just way too much opening. And then we would have been whining and screaming and cursing the ground that these these uh uh the producers had had walked on because of what they would have introduced if they had gone into the next uh couple the next part. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like I said, internal suffering for mine is <laughs> it's it's is definitely much it's something to be said whenever you have a character that's put through so much terrible crap and you're like you're bawling your eyes out, it's proof that you just absolutely love the show that you're watching. And I I think mine is easily one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, just a fantastic character through and through. I love her character. Like I said, I love that she's selfish. I love that she cares. I love that she has all these different sides about herself and no matter how much she's brought down, she always somehow kind of forces a smile to so to speak, but it's, it's just good stuff. All the characters are fantastic except for the high priest, high priest can dine a fire. (laughs) every every character besides the high priest and bindewald bindewald can go to uh, are fantastic i just love them to death and um you got quite a bit of delia too and i i always struggle with delia i kind of struggle alongside mine with the situation with delia honestly it's it's just it sucks because I, it equally equally selfish character but one of those characters she's been trying to slowly pull out of that that bad place that Delia's in. And she just keeps kind of going back. I, 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 I broke my heart the moment they were saying, you know, just let Delia go. You have to let Delia go. And it's like, I kind of want to say the same thing. If I was in that room, I'd probably say the same thing, but it's like, but I know she's working on her. <laughs> like I know she's working on her. I don't, I don't hate
1: Delia so much. I, I, think yeah, I don't hate her. I, I, it's, I, I'm, it's, it's one of she's those. That I, exactly. I, I'm, I'm frustrated with her decisions. But at the same time, I think that in a lot of ways you can understand them. And it it's, you you seen the orphanage before? Mine got there. Yeah, it, it was a dark room with with starving kids. Exactly. And she found herself a way to survive. And that's that's one of the frustrating things is, you you can't fault her for her um, bad decisions. But at the same time, yes, it is, I I don't I don't disagree in the aspect of yes, it's frustrating to see her make those. And she – I think that this this was probably the best case where she had to face her con- the consequences of her actions. This is one of the things that I do love about this writer more than anything is people facing consequences for their actions. And, and I, I said that with, with mine. I say I, – I mean that for everybody in the cast. They all
0: in a lot of ways face the consequences of their actions. Except for Oto. Oto needs to face some consequences. I've always been pro-Oto. I think Oto is fantastic. I've, I've loved Oto ever since the moment that he was doing the, the riding stuff at the, at the gates with, with mine. And he has his kid and everything. I was super cute. And then the moment that we had something happen this season, Oto just standing there. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Oto? <laughs> like, what is Oto doing? <laughs> Dad's seen it, went, went after it, but Oto is just like standing there. But yeah, that was, that was a little bit frustrating. Oto, Oto broke my heart. Um, anyways jokes aside fantastic season as always a sense of bookworm highly highly recommend I, I always say this all the time as well as I, this is one of the shows that I love that every time I suggest it and somebody comes back and says hey you re- you suggested that a sense of bookworm I, I always had that heart drop like, oh yeah oh here what are they gonna say please say that you liked it please say that you like it and sure enough it's always it's always positive and I know that every time I say that somebody's gonna go in the comments and say it negatively just to get at me but Every time people are just like "Thanks for suggesting this show," and it's like yeah. everybody gets it. it it's it's just kind of you know you know it's something special there so yeah. yeah
1: i I agree it's it 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 makes me feel pretty good to know that somebody has actually taken our our advice on this one and given this one a shot and have absolutely loved it
0: and thankfully to uh all the source material people for keeping all the spoilers in check as usual. <laughs> This is another one of those ones, as I'm as I'm doing videos on it, episode by episode, it's like, every time I look in the comments, it's she's like, you kind of keep wincing and looking away, like, please don't be a spoiler. Please don't. <laughs> I think most people like the adaptation. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that's cut, and there's a little bit of context shifting, but for the most part, I didn't really see anybody like, you know, this character was supposed to die here, or this character was not supposed to die here kind of stuff. It's, it's always kind of, yeah, there's a little bit more context here, which would have been nice to have in there. But I think overall, I think it's been a... I I don't notice anything, and I think that's enough. Like like I said, I can go into the, the light novel later and get more context. I mean, the same as Michel Tensei. Obviously, I'm running into a lot of stuff reading that series that was completely not in the the anime. But at the same time, it's like I understand that it's going to cut pacing here, and and I can get it. I can still I can still read it and get it. So, yeah, yeah. Anywho, except for any cut scenes of Roxy, any scene that was cut. In the anime adaptation of Roxy. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Moving on. Yavoi Kongmin Min or Kome. Or Potapi Kome. This one streamed on High Dive. Ran for 12 episodes. Done by Studio PA Works. Based off of a manga. Genres are comedy. Drama. Music. Slice of Life. Supernatural. And this one follows... It takes place... Or it starts out in the Three Kingdoms Warring Era. Uh, following Kome... From this point on I'm gonna be calling him Kome because that's how they pronounce it in the anime Kome and he is at his deathbed he's passing away and as he's passing away he's like you know I kind of wish that I could be reborn into a world of peace that my master and generals have all wanted what we all been fighting for is that world of peace I hope I can have it and sure enough as he goes dark, he wakes up in the middle of <laughs> current times, Tokyo, Japan, and they're currently, obviously, for some reason, celebrating Halloween at that particular time, so he quickly thinks that he's in hell, <laughs> like there's people just dancing around in weird outfits, so he's like, I-, I must be in hell. Well, that's a bummer. And somebody quickly grabs him and says, oh my gosh, you're a perfect-looking Komei, and they drag him into some nightclub where he ends up seeing uh, Eiko on the stage performing her song. And he's quickly entranced by her vocals, um, even so much that when she gets off stage, he's like, you've entranced me. She She's like dressed up as like a demon or succubus kind of looking girl. And so he immediately thinks that she's a demon that's been trying to entrance him. But um, later on, Echo, after work, ends up stumbling upon Komei drunk on the side of an alleyway. For some reason, girl takes him home <laughs> as girls do take old people home with them when they're drunk on the side of the road. But she's a good heart. She's got a good heart. Just girls don't do that. Uh, Brings Komei all the way to her apartment, and next day he wakes up and she kind of gives him a full catch up of what's been going on, like technology and everything. And he's obviously trying to convince her that he's not really trying to convince her, but telling her that he's Komei, um, even though she doesn't believe it. But gets him fully updated on technology and the modern times, and obviously what happened to um, his generals and stuff um, that he left behind. And the thing that kind of comes from this is that. Komei, on one hand, is just captivated by music, especially Eiko's music. Um, There's some of it that he doesn't quite understand. (laughs) But at the same time, she's bestowed information upon him that he feels like he needs to repay by bestowing, like, using that knowledge to benefit her. So he decides, like, shortly after this, that he is going to become Eiko's tactician. Not really manager, technician. (laughs) The great tactician, Kome, is going to become this singer's tactician to make her succeed. Like, he says, do you want to succeed? Do you want 100,000 followers? What do you want? I will make it happen. And so, this up-and-coming musician has Kome, the tactician, at her side— going to different venues and using his knowledge um, his, as a tactician to kind of benefit. So they, they'll they often have, often have in certain episodes, they'll ha- or pretty much every episode, very beginning they'll have like a little bit of a quick, very quick history lesson about something that Kome has done in Legends and then utilizing that pretty much in the sense of a venue or something like that where you have, you know, multiple stages and the flow of, you know, people will get stuck at one stage. Well, he'll figure out some way of... You know, making the flow of uh, attendees go to Echo's performance instead—it's that kind of stuff—and gets really, really kind of goofy and interesting in that regard. But yeah, your thoughts on Komei? Komei specifically? I, <laughs> no sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed this
1: show. Um, when all when all is said and done, there there was a part of it that I want to say in the middle, towards the uh, three quarters part, that I felt kind of the finding the voice part. I, I don't I don't want to say it was that it, it, it there was somewhere in there that um that I just kind of fell off for a little while. I, I, I pushed I powered through it and I, I did come away enjoying the show uh, overall. The but at, when it comes down to it, it, it's one of those that's kind of frustrating. I do really enjoy the music and there there was a lot of solid music in this show. Um, I I enjoyed a lot of the characters, the, the character development and the characters. Especially the the, the latter uh, some of the latter characters that were added into uh, the the final uh, arc per se, I, I really enjoyed them. Um, I, I found myself enjoying the the rapper and, and a lot of the stuff involved with him. I very much enjoyed, and probably the most I enjoyed um, was Nanami and her 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 group. Um so it it's one of those mixed bags for, for lack of a better term but I I generally overall I really did enjoy the show. I I loved the character development, loved the characters, loved the story. Um coming is is one of those that yeah, I liked him. Um he didn't his I liked how they translated a lot of like Andrew was mentioning his tactics and his strategies translated it into kind of effectively um uh for what andrew was saying using those strategies to kind of direct um uh people and how they they view things and and what's going on around them i, I enjoyed how that that entire thing was kind of utilized um but he, what, overall he didn't really add that much to me um overall i really enjoyed the characters and how they um Developed in themselves. Yeah, you could say that Kung Ming was enticing them to do things, but to me, he was just kind of the puppeteer in the background and
0: like the tactician. Yeah, he
1: was the tactician. <laughs> so when it comes down to it, I, I, I overall, I liked the show. It was, it was a an enjoyable uh, show.
0: Yeesh, I thought Chris would enjoy this a lot more than that. <laughs> um, I absolutely love this show. I, how's is that how you say it? I. Love this show. You love this show. Okay. Yes, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it from Chris. <laughs> I love this show. Um, really, really love this show. And it, it was it was surprising how much I enjoyed. And what's funny is how much I enjoyed it more and differently than I thought I was from the very beginning, looking into it in the previews and stuff like that. The previews is like I'm I'm looking forward to singing waifu girl, uh, blonde haired cutie that's gonna dance on the stages. There's gonna be some goofball next to her that's gonna be doing his own thing. It's gonna be a fish out of water story, comedy, constantly. You know, what's with the telephone? That kind of stuff. And the moment I start up the show, I immediately fell in love with Komei. Komei was, I surprisingly, like I, I'm thinking, like, okay, here's a dorky guy with doofy glasses, um, all the cover arts and stuff like that. This is gonna be a goofball. This is gonna be basically the old man trying to be, you know, hello, fellow kids, kind of thing. No, Komei was literally the draw of this show, especially early on for me. And I I couldn't explain it other than the fact that I felt like he was a refreshing insert into modern times, this idea of somebody that sees not that he is in servitude to Echo, not that he is trying to make a transaction with Echo, not that he's going to work for her, but that he's going to benefit her for benefiting him and use his knowledge and the way that he sees things differently to benefit Echo. And especially early on, really hitting heavy on the idea that it's it's trying to. He's essentially what Eiko was seeking to do. Eiko had given up on life, and she was about to jump in front of a train, I believe it was. And then the man, her manager, pulls him/her into this um, nightclub where this this foreign singer singing, and this foreign singer just blows her away and changes her life. And she wants to kind of do that same thing for other people, and she doesn't realize that Komei. Komei was pretty much the first person she did that to. He had realized he lost all of his his, his you know, his companions from his previous life, and he knows the results of all that stuff, and they're no longer around. And she kind of pulled him out of that darkness with her voice, and he kind of wanted to help benefit her to moving forward. But he always sees things differently than her. His values and everything are so much different than the people around him, and I almost feel like that's kind of helps in his tacticians, but yes, it's always his... His use of his knowledge—that's always kind of really goofily <laughs> laid out, you know—creating the room that is confusing to exit from, and, and which is like this whole famous um, strategy that he used with these pillars. Those are always kind of interesting, but I'm ne- I'm, I never—I never got stuck in them. Like, I never really care. I—I I, I do want to get into a lot of Three Kingdoms-based um, manga and anime, um, but there—it's not I'm not like like a geek in that stuff. So it's not as if I get really invested in that stuff. But it was always a nice driving force for how they were taking the story and the direction it was taking it. What's crazy is as the show went along and they introduced Kabe, who's the rapper. And I was like, what is this guy? Like, why are they, why are they suddenly introducing rapping into the story? And then it's like, holy crap, what they did with Kabe. And of course the rap battle was fantastic. Bringing Kabe into the mix was like perfect. And it, and it went even higher at the very end of the show when I realized that everything was for purpose. Like it was almost as if everything that Komei was putting together was like for the strategy for that end game. Like the last, the very last episode or the last two episodes that when they came around, I was like, holy crap, I know what the writer's doing right here. And if they pull this off, I mean, it was already doing, it was pulling off the first part of the, in the 11th episode. And then it gets in the second, the 12th episode. I'm like, you nailed it. (laughs) Like, like this writer and the, and the studio, nailed it. Obviously it's PA Works, so it looks really fantastic. It's not not PA work's best visually. Like it didn't they didn't go for a lot of really crazy uh photorealistic uh, filters and stuff like that, but it definitely has their style. Um but they pulled it off. Like they pulled off the ending so well. And my gosh the music. Like <laughs> whoever worked behind the scenes for I'm I'm assuming it probably had multiple people working on it because you had pop, you had rock, you had Uh, rap, all these different styles that they were kind of introducing into this. And they had so many cover songs for so many really fantastic older titles. It it just, it all culminates into like a perfect package. I will agree with Chris, and I think it's probably a different point, but my point specifically was the find your own voice segment for Echo. I've never cared for that storyline. I mean, I understand the idea of somebody trying to find their own. It, It felt like she had her purpose to begin with. Like she had a driving force But you can argue that it was copying somebody else's driving force. The idea of, well, I wouldn't say it was copying because she didn't know what that foreign singer was trying to help her save her life kind of thing. But she had a purpose. Like, she had a goal. Like, I want to sing for people just like this person saved my life. And I felt like her going through this whole montage of I have to find my own voice was just kind of, it was obviously an excuse for her to meet Nanami. But at the same time, it was like it felt like it lulled there and copy was doing the same thing. He was, he was, he was, it was him trying to discover something as well. And I, that was like the only part where I felt like it lulled a little bit, but it came to a very, very awesome ending that I absolutely adored. So besides maybe a couple of episodes in there, it was, it was just a really great show. And I, I absolutely loved it to death. So I highly recommend the series. I, I loved it to death and, I, I think if you're watching the first couple episodes and and Kome doesn't really hit it for you, you might decide otherwise. But I really, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a huge surprise for me. Like I said, coming into this, I just expect, I expected, you know, cute Echo waifu, but I got so much more from it. So, yeah, good stuff. I highly recommend pi Kome. You fell in of, love with Kome, so yes, Kome is Kome is great. I love I love Keiko too. Echo power. Anyways, moving forward, we have Aharen-san is Indecipherable, or Aharen-san wa Hakaranai. This one's streamed on Crunchyroll Run for 12 episodes, done by Studio Felix Film. Source is a manga. These genres are comedy, romance, slice of life. And this one follows uh, Rido, and Rido is starting a new year, and Raido has a thing about him that everybody believes that he's, like, a delinquent. He's got those eyes that you'd usually get from those delinquent characters in anime, but, uh... At some point, he's like, you know, I got, I need to make friends, and why not start with the my neighbor in class? She seems like she doesn't really, you know, talk to many people, and that's Ahedan. And Ahedan's like this really short girl, very, very quiet, and he keeps trying to make conversation with her. She keeps looking at him, and then looking away, and he, he thinks that she's ignoring him. But come to find out, as she gets really close to him to talk to him, she just doesn't doesn't project her voice very well. <laughs> she's very quiet. As we find out later on, Aheren had some unfortunate events with her past friends where they thought that she was too clingy and too loud. So she's kind of afraid of making new friends and afraid of scaring people away by being too loud. So it kind of turns into a montage of Raiden trying to figure out ways of communicating to Aheren, because obviously she's very quiet and she's afraid of being vocal and um, becoming friends through that that trial and include other characters like Oshiro, who... Really badly wants to protect Ahedan, but never wants to get close to her because she's afraid that she's gonna get mad at her. <laughs> and her brother, or her brother and sister, and then Futaba, who's this goofy girl that thinks that Ahedan's taking away this crush that she has from her because uh, this boy Yakun thinks that uh, Ahedan is her his sh- shisho because they they played games together and she's really good at it. So, your thoughts on ahedan Son is indecipherable. I love this show. <laughs> <I'm rough. laughs> is it because Kome, I mean, Raito? No, I'm joking. <laughs>
1: no, I, th- th- this is an absolutely adorable, uh, cute show. I, uh, love the, the, the main leads. Um, a lot of the supporting cast is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, the, the humor in the show is to me really good. Um, uh, it, it hits when it wants to, wants to make something funny. I, there was rarely a time that, um, the jokes didn't hit for me. And, and I, I, I think that that's, a at least a testament to me that of, of absolutely fantastic, uh, uh, comedic writing is for the most part me, not, uh, Not feeling a joke it it doesn't I I still would chuckle here and there of something that eh, I didn't it didn't like make me roll on the floor the entire show but at least I could enjoy the 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 times even when I wasn't laughing out loud I just in general I really did love the humor in this show and the the cuteness of uh, these two characters enjoying each other uh, when it comes down to it it was was really well done
0: yeah, I would call it like a, a smile show. Like this is a, this is one of those shows where it's not like a laugh out loud show. It's it's a smile show because they're just Raito and Aheron are like so cute together, and they it, it quickly establishes the idea of like a contrast between like this really tall, you know, grumpy looking character. He's not that he's grumpy; he's grumpy looking, and then having this very short, cute, adorable girl that's just very quiet. Um, just like the the chemistry between the two of them is just perfect. And I I, I keep doing this, and I know it probably anger some people. This is pretty much the Komi-san can't communicate that I wanted. Like this is the this is the girl that can't really communicate very well, but then having like a male character that's like prominent. Like Raido is a solid main character. Like he is, he's there, he's present, it's not all about Aharen. Raido, <laughs> what's funny is most of the comedy comes in Raido's imagination of Aharen. It's not necessarily that it is, you know, Raido is just his character that's staying there Doing something every now and then. With the whole thing of her communication, he, there's a huge montage of him trying to figure out ways of communicating to Aharun. It's it's smoke screens. It's sign language. He's doing everything he can in order to communicate with her. He's trying to go that extra mile to help her. And, in a sense, that creates that relationship because Aharun realizes what all Raido's doing for her, and I, I think that's just super cute between the two of them. And she's always trying to repay him, and she's <laughs> she fails miserably at it. <laughs> okay, well, I, I made this food, so I'm gonna stay up all night trying to make food so that I can give him more food, and then yeah, failing miserably at feeding that food to him. Um, she's adorable. Um, Aheron is just kind of she's I wouldn't say that she's like um, like she's obviously moe cute kind of thing with like the clutziness. But it's always kind of this overstretching herself at the same time. Again, the miscommunications between the two of them, because obviously Rida always thinks that she needs something. And so he goes out the extra mile to make it happen. But then it always ends up being just kind of a simple thing that a Heron can do to resolve the situation. That's really a lot of the, the funniness that comes from the show is just, like I said, overblowing situations and miscommunication. I would say like misreading each other kind of thing. It's um, always been a lot of fun, and they're just absolutely adorable together. And yeah, it, it, it technically has a really solid payoff at the end, which I think a lot of these shows don't really have, Um, that I really did enjoy. But uh, this is a really great cast of characters. too. I think the only character I didn't like was the teacher, uh, Tobaru. <laughs> her joke was like, we could have done this in one scene, uh, but no, we have to keep bringing her back into the show to have her... She's a teacher that sees Aheren and Raido and, like, overblows everything they do together as like being some really crushy, uh, mushy, mushy thing. And then she'll start bleeding out her nose and then passing out. And it's like, I, I got a kick out of it the first time she did it in the class. And she, you know, <laughs> right. They would sit close to each other and then she's like freaking out. And then the writer would put a head in, on his shoulders that she can see the chalkboard. And then she would literally almost pass out and have to leave the room. Um, it was funny, like the first time. And then it's like, every time she comes up on the scene, it's like, Oh God, we're doing this again. Yes. Bleed out your nose. Yes, other teacher freak out. We get it. We we get it. We don't. We don't. This is like literally the same joke. We're not doing anything different with it. Yeah, she that was that much. was the only that was the only like uh, wolf part of the entire site. Futaba, I loved to death. Like she was super cute, and her like again, technically thinking ahead in his arrival uh, for this girl that she has a, uh, this boy that she has a crush with, and just her constantly being at a hidden and then realizing at some point that a hidden is trying to tr- help her out. And then she can't admit to it kind of stuff. Uh, the brother and the sister, Edu and Ren were super cute. Love them. Of course, Tama mm-hmm. voicing Ren. I'm obviously Chris probably really enjoyed that part.
1: Oh, I, I absolutely, I, I, <laughs> I made the joke about the fact that, uh, because of it, I, I'm, I'm to try and be careful with it is I, I absolutely loved the addition of a Tama version of, um, uh, Ahara and, and and yeah, special. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, I even I even thought uh, Ishikawa and Saito was 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 great as well. They were kind of the they were kind of the Cupids. They were the Cupids. Uh, Oshiro, I I really enjoyed. I thought she, her timidness was really super cute. There was times where she got kind of annoying with her story, but I I, I did like the aspect that she was always afraid that Akin was gonna <laughs> get mad at her. <laughs> Like Aaron, was, like a is like some like vicious person that will beat the crap out of her if she steps out of line. Like she doesn't let Rito around, but she knows if she got rid of Rito, then a headon would get mad at her. Uh, it was it was goofy. So really solid cast, really cute show. If you're looking for a cutesy little rom com, definitely check it out. Um Again, not super laugh out loud comedy in my opinion, but. Really solid. I think I said it when we were doing our first impressions, but I kind of want to go back and watch Dinky Guy again because obviously this is, this is from the same mangaka that did G- Dinky Guy, and I, I kind of drifted away from Dinky Guy really quickly, even though I kind of wanted to finish it. I, I do like this this character artist, or at least the the mangaka for this character designs. Um, I kind of feel like it works better here as like this you know cute scroll girl rather than. Again, technically a bunch of adults working at a comic book store, all looking like little children. But um, it definitely makes me want to go back and check that out again because I, I don't think I gave it much chance. So, but yeah, that's uh, a Hedensohn is indecipherable or a Hedensohn wakaranai because because some reason Crunchyroll did not want to translate that. I'm not sure if is indecipherable is a copyrighted title or not, but it is what it is. Moving on, we have The Executioner and Her Way of Life, or Shoukei Shoujo no Virgin Road. This one is streaming on high dive, ran for 12 episodes, done by studio JC staff. This source is a light novel. The genres are action, adventure, drama, fantasy. And this one takes place in a fantasy world where essentially people of different groups uh, will summon people from other worlds, which, yes, happens to be from our current time in Japan. And after they summon people to this other world, those people come over with a an ability. They they call these people the other worlders. That they summon over, and every other worlder has an ability that they obtain when they transport to this world, and so that can be just any a number of different abilities. At the very beginning, we follow, um, we see this guy Mitsuki, which eventually we re- we found to find out that he thinks that he doesn't have an ability. They say that his ability is null, like he has no ability, but yes is it kind of led you to believe null means to erase the existence of something. So he can create like a ball of void that just makes things disappear. Well, in this world, they have different classes. They have the Faust, which are the highest class, the most powerful. Um, it's pretty much the church. You have the royalty, which is typically, um, which is the noblest. And then you have, uh, the other one I think is just commoners, but the currently when we open up the, Faust are essentially the ones of power, and they have these secret people known as the executioners that will go out, find out if somebody is summoning somebody to this world, kill that person, and then hold them accountable for the summoning. It's it's pretty much um, taboo to summon people in this world because we find out many years ago <laughs> there was these this event called or these events known as the four human errors, which is four situations where. Somebody was summoned over... Because they used to summon people all the time. Bring in technology. Bring in knowledge. They have powers. They can be the heroes of this world. Well, eventually, those powers went crazy. Because as they find out, the more these other worlders use their their abilities, the more they lose memories and their mind. And eventually, their power will go out of control. And like I said, these four instances, known as the Four Human Errors, was four cases where somebody's power went crazy. So, again, it's taboo to summon people. They don't want it to happen anymore. So... The Faust pretty much have these executioners go out, find, and kill these other worlders. Well, we follow Minnow, who's one of the executioners. At the very beginning, like I said, she pretty much... At uh, the very beginning, Minnow will find uh, there's this girl, Akari, that was summoned by these noblest and she goes to kill Akari. <laughs> but come to find out, Akari not only has the ability to heal herself, which she thinks initially is the case, but she actually has the power to rewind time, and it automatically happens when she kills Akari. So... She has to figure out some way of finding a way to kill Akari. Um, she can't just test out a bunch of stuff because, like I said, the more she uses her ability, the more it will go out of control. So she has to f- discover some way to get rid of her. At the very beginning, this the one of the leaders of the Faust uh, has her bring her over to this temple they have to get rid of her there. So it kind of turns into a journey of Minnow traveling with Akari to try to find some way of killing Akari. Well, Akari believes that Minnow... <laughs> Just wants to be, you know, take her to a pla- a safe place to send her back home. Um, so,
1: yeah, your thoughts? I I generally really enjoyed this show. It, there's a lot of really cool things in the world of this show. Um, there's I I enjoyed a lot of the the character development between uh, Minnow and Akari. Um, this being the kind of main central focus of the show of kind of getting into the background between, uh, these two, those two characters, um, getting into Pandora and, and the latter, latter part of the series was kind of interesting. Um, I kind of hate the fact that it kind of ended the way it did. Um, it felt very, very cut off, um, it was really frustrating the way that they kind of ended it the way they did. Um, it's one of those things that you really want. Um, <sighs> this is one of those shows that you feel like the, the, the prototype of a kind of a manga bait or a light novel bait type show where they kind of leave, bring in a lot of the kind of more bigger intricacies of this world and just kind of leave it the way it is. And so I I am very frustrated at the ending of this show. Um, But overall, I I did like a lot of the things that they kind of introduced. Um, The fascinating concepts that they had involved with the um, – isekai characters are not necessarily the good things. um, But in in a lot of cases, um, they're not necessarily – it's not their fault for who they are. But, yeah, that's that's kind of where I lay, lay with this. I'm kind of middle of the road. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very fascinating take on the isekai. Um, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of a the, – the the initial draw of this show is definitely the idea of a different vantage point of isekai. Typically, isekai go into the world, superpowered, all that kind of stuff. This is like the vantage point of – at least from the very beginning, it kind of shifts away from that quite a bit but is the vantage point of the people that have to deal with those overpowered Esekai characters coming to their world and honestly ruining it. And I, I I agree the idea that the initial, the initial kind of stinger was the fact that it it lives in a gray area. And the idea that Minnow doesn't really want to kill these people, but at the same time, they kind of have to, because as I mentioned earlier, um, they have cases in the past where entire kingdoms were wiped out because another world or came there lost control of their ability and destroyed an entire area. And in the case with the first interaction that Minnow really has with somebody is like, well, they had this brief moment where they say they can erase anybody that opposes them. And it's like, you're a threat. It's gone. Like it's, it's not even a question at that point. I mean, you technically see it with Akari later on. It's like, they're running out and all of a sudden boop dead. <laughs> like it, it's it. Minnow can't really uh, like hesitate because every single one of these people is literally a threat and Shiva apologizes. Like this is not your fault. I, I killed you because it's not your fault. There, there is no choice here. There's no. We don't know of a way to go send you back. There's we there. It it can only lead to destruction. There's no alternative. You will use your ability. You will lose your mind. You will go out of control. And you will destroy possibly the entire world. They can't. They can't deal with that threat. And so it's always this, like, gray area of, man, this feels really bad that they literally have to kill these people. And these people, it's not their fault. Like, they didn't choose to come there. They were summoned there beyond their own control. And now they're here, and they just have to be killed. It, it feels – the only people that are bad guys, obviously, are the people that are summoning. <laughs> That's the obvious bad guys here because they're pulling people in and putting them in threat. Um, so that, that that gray area was definitely the pull initially. Learning more about Akari and and really kind of diving into the concept of the ability that Akari has and how that kind of shaped the narrative was very interesting as well. I had a lot of fun really kind of speculating on stuff around Akari. Obviously, Minnow is not an idiot, so she was figuring out just about the same time I was, so I didn't really feel like I was that smart. Um, it, it does it kind of does that whole thing where you're you're trying to theorize on something and suddenly Minnow's like, yeah, I figured that out and you're like, Well crap, I don't I don't feel like I'm figuring things out. But at the same time, it's kind of is it's allowing you to kind of learn as it goes along. And I, I did kind of feel like early on, man, they're revealing so much about this world and Akari and all this kind of stuff. I feel like we're running out of material really quickly. But sure enough, like jumping into the second arc, well, I felt like the beginning segments of the second arc when we got to the The seaside, and we start getting into Manon and the the fourth, which is another group of people that believe that they are another. There's again, there's the Faust, the Nobles, and the Commoners. The fourth are basically people that claim themselves being separate from that class system. And when I started getting that stuff, I was kind of getting a little worried. (laughs) Like I I didn't feel like there was enough. It wasn't that interesting at the very beginning of it, but as it starts to get into who Manon is, it I was afraid that she'd just be a you know, your, your master killed my mom kind of thing, but it turned into something so much more. And I got really interested in it. <laughs> that's what sucks because as it gets really interesting and it gets more information and more world building and more insight into the human errors and everything on the outside of the storyline, it just stops. <laughs> I was like, damn it. Why are you revealing so much stuff at the end of this show? And I know you're not going to get into any of it. Um, yeah, that's, that's the big, the big, but In this whole thing. I love this show to death. I love the characters. I freaking love the style. Like, I love Manon's design. I I think a lot of these characters... Like, Momo's fantastic. like the best Yandere I've seen in a long time. Um, Just her literally saying that she'll destroy everything. Just for the sake of Minnow. Was absolutely... That scene was just probably the easily my favorite scene of this entire season. Was just Momo going nuts. And literally blowing up... Nearly blowing up everybody. Um... It was so good. Ashina was fantastic. Uh, she's just... I, I love her princess carrying somebody. Um, <laughs> Ashina's fantastic. I love all these characters. They're so fantastic. The style's great. JC Staff did a phenomenal job in the animation. Um, big props to them. Besides the centipede thing, CGI at the very end of it. Everything else looked fantastic. The fight scenes are so good. Um, these, are, these are fight scenes that aren't just simply... I show, I, I create bigger light beam than you create, and thus I win. These are like really strategized out fight scenes. And I love how, like, Minnow uses scripture from her, her book, and the scripture is it's like religious text, but. The scripture itself creates the magic. So the example I always give is like the the moment she said something about the nonbelievers will hear the toll of the bell. This huge bell shows up and it chimes and it literally just like vibrates and and can kill people. It's that kind of cool stuff that comes from the scripture that creates power. Um, And yeah, her dagger, she can channel it through her dagger and explode and all this kind of stuff. It's really, really cool. Uh, The fight scenes themselves are really interesting how they lay out. Everything about this show, I love. I love everything. It's so fascinating. But yes, that ending. (laughs) And it's, the way I describe it, it's one of those endings where this needs a second season. It desperately needs a second season because it does have this really nasty sour taste at the very end. Because it starts in episode 11, honestly. But on into episode 12, it's just it's constantly revealing things that lead into things in the future. It is, unless it gets the second season, kind of classic, uh, source material bait. Not that I'm, I'm kind of mad. It's not that I'm like furious, but it is one of those ones where it's like, gosh dang, I kind of hate that they show these things that they're obviously not going to get into yet. Um, it's a solid, it's a solid chapter close. It's just, it, it feels like it, it started turning the page a little bit too far <laughs> into the next chapter, which does frustrate me a little bit, but, um, I think it's still in the end, one of those ones where despite that that sour at the end, especially if you're fine with getting in the light novel, I still highly recommend the show. I, I really did enjoy it. It was a great ride. Um, I love the characters, love the action, and I just loved digging into each and every single episode. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's The Executioner and A Way of Life. Check that out. If that Anything else? No? No? <laughs> Check that out if that's interesting to you. Science fell in love, so I tried to prove it. Second season, uh streamed on Crunchyroll for twelve episodes done by Studio Zero uh, Sources of Manga genres are comedy romance. Um scientists fall in love and they try to prove it. Anything special in the second season? Uh to me I, I, I thought that the
1: humor in this this particular season, this is about um basically our two main characters, um kind of quote unquote falling in love, and then they sit there and they banter back and forth on how how they can prove um scientifically whether or not somebody has actually fallen in love and if if for those of you who have been listening long enough uh, the first when the first season came around i was kind of mixed on the aspect of the humor in the show when when they actually do have some kind of humor moments um kind of digging into some kind of a trope or something like that they do that kind of well. Where they kind of lose me in a lot of cases is the science-y side. Which I understand why it's there. It, this is kind of this this um, this show's stick is to have the kind of science-y aspect involved in everything. This season didn't quite didn't really get away from that formula. Um, but they did play on a lot of the tropes And what really did um, I did really enjoy Was one of the side, A couple of the side characters Really came became a lot more In the prominent uh, uh, section After the first Kind of uh, uh, Getting through the spit uh, ki- The chemicals in the spit um, They did go into a couple Of the other side characters And started digging into them a bit more And I did find one of the um, – I did find the – the one couple was really done well. The last one I thought was fantastic. They got into uh, – one of the characters that's in the main cast, but she's not really um, – she's not very prominent. But they got to digging into her and her psyche and – why she was doing what she was doing and then kind of gave a, a mirror of her. And for, I don't want to dig too much into it. Those of you who have watched, you, you understand what I'm saying. Um They did a mirror of this character and I thought they did fantastic with it and really did bring out um, why, why this is not necessarily good thinking but if this is who you are be you um and i thought that that was really fantastically done um so yes nice little bow to this this um, this this show that for lack of a better term i've always been kind of mixed on i do like their humor when they do their humor and when they dig into tropes i think they do fantastic when they get stuck in the science Eh, it doesn't really work for me. Um, it might work for others. Uh if you like the kind of uh y aspect, it might work for you. Um it doesn't really work for me. But all in all, I'm fine with the show. It's it's doing fine. It it keeps keeps doing what it does and it
0: it does it well. Yeah, I think that was what kind of pushed me away from the first season was just the all right, now let's look at flow charts and <laughs> and, and different uh, wavelengths and super geeky stuff. It's like, okay, gotcha. You back to the cute girls. Uh, <laughs> Science Fell in Love, so I try to prove it, second season. Check that out that's interesting to you. Dance Dance Dansieur. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll, ran for 11 episodes. Studio is MAPPA. Sources: is a manga. Genres are drama, romance, slice of life, sports. And this one follows Junpei and Junpei is Kind of shows a little bit of backstory in the idea that his father was like a, um, like a coordinator for stunts and stuff like that. And at some point, uh, Junpei decided that he wanted to get into ballet after they went to this performance and seen this guy perform on the stage. And he's seen these sparkle, sparkle kidas happening around the guy. So he desired to essentially re- recreate that feeling that he was getting watching this guy perform. So he wanted to get into ballet. Obviously, boys aren't supposed to be in ballet. Um, quickly, <laughs> even though he wanted to, um, unfortunately his father passed away and he kind of was told by his uncle, I believe it was, that he needed to be the man in the house now. He needs to take care of his mom and his sister. And so Junpei, seeing what men need to be, um, kind of immediately thinks of his father, how his father was into, uh, karate. It's not karate, it was something like judo or something like that. Um in judo or something like that. And so he decides that he's going to get that, become the manly man, take care of his family kind of thing. So he gets, he kind of gives up on ballet. Well, he still kind of knows the, the moves and stuff like that. So he still like performance performs it here and there and immediately catches the attention of Miyako, uh, this pretty girl in his school or his class and Miyako, you know, quickly comes in and says, you know, I need to come with me and drags him all the way to, uh, her mother's studio where they learn ballet. And, Jinpei's like, you know, hey, look, I thought this girl just liked me. I don't really want to learn ballet. But he kind of keeps going there because he kind of likes Miyako and wants to and thinks that she has a crush on him. Um, Until eventually he kind of realizes, you know, hey, there's that sparkle, sparkle Kia that I remember seeing at this performance. He kind of wants to do ballet. Like he still he still has that feeling like he wants to perform ballet and have that feeling again sparkle inside of him. Um, So kind of follow him as he as he reluctantly learns ballet while at the same time trying to get with his girl and eventually kind of including some other styles of ballet and a little bit of conflict in uh, the leaderships of the actual schools themselves and kind of Jinpei having a, a kind of a knack for ballet, despite the fact that he's not always been working at it and like the conflict that people around him kind of have. Some people have spent their entire lives uh, learning ballet and the conflicts they see in Junpei being as skilled as he is, but not refined as much as he should be. Um, obviously, because he hasn't been practicing it all of his life, um, he's just doing it as fun. So, your thoughts?
1: I I do like this show. It it, it is really well done. Um, it it has a lot of the, um, for lack of a better term, it has a lot of the feel uh when 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 we first got into this um welcome to the ballroom obviously immediately came into those necks yeah (laughs) that was immediately the um the calling that i got out of this was that this was a like this has got to be the same mangaka no it's got to be the same same (laughs) character artist no gotta be the same studio no it it had a lot of the same feel and i immediately was drawn to it i really wanted to dig into this show i was so excited about this and i'm I'm afraid that I may have overhyped myself on it because when all was said and done, um, and I don't know if it's m- maybe because it was more focused into um, the ballet and that didn't work for me. I don't know what it was, but it did not, did not hit the same as Welcome to the Ballroom. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that it's doing something different. And I, in 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 some ways, I was a bit frustrated with it. But at the same time, it doesn't do bad. It, it's a very good looking show. Um, it's doing kind of a mix of just uh, going between contemporary and classical and. Um, different styles and whether or not Japan
0: um, versus Russian,
1: D- Japan versus <laughs> Russian. Uh, it, it's, it's going a lot of the, a, a lot of, can you enjoy yourself if you are um, focusing too much on your own artistic feel, or if you're going into keeping the tradition of,
0: Ballet involved. That was the that was the biggest struggle that I kind of felt with the whole thing. Is it? It really, it almost paints a really nasty picture of ballet and the idea that Jim Page just kind of wanted. But I mean, that's everything. Everybody wants to do their own thing, but it feels like he's kind of thrown into this battle between two different styles when he just wants to do his own thing. Like he just wants yeah. to. He just wants to enjoy ballet, and it's like you can't. Like you you, 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 it was at some point they literally say choose. Like they're literally saying you choose okay well then go away it's like woof like woof does it have to be that clear cut
1: sorry but no you're right and that is the 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 frustrating thing is in a lot of cases i i don't know how to explain it i I, as an antagonist a lot of the characters who um are kind of painted as such are really kind of frustrating um ryo or luo um While I seen his rivalry with Junpei, um, I seen it and it was fine. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't really work well for me. Um, a lot of the other characters that are, uh, latter, uh, in introduced as, as kind of, uh, antagonists for lack of a better term, they didn't really work well uh, to me. Um, In a lot of cases, this is the frustrating thing, okay? What I just laid out as the main focus of this show, of contemporary versus classical, like Andrew had mentioned, Russian versus Japanese ballet, all this stuff is kind of the quote-unquote reason for the antagonism. And this is what gets frustrating in the end, is how do you – what they're laying out is – going against the system. And it's not a good system per se that you can go against. Um I understand it. I understand what they were trying to do. It just it wasn't working in this quote unquote in this story per se. Is Junpei is has a natural talent for it, obviously. And because he's the main main protagonist, it, he has the overpowered main character yeah he he has the mo- uh, uh overpowered and so people will naturally aut- automatically acknowledge him per se yeah, except, for the, except for the except for the idiot lady who absolutely refuses anything that is not absolutely perfect classical japanese or perfect classical russian um Top tier uh, ballet dancer. If you're not that, you're you're crap. Obviously, (laughs) gotta be refined. (laughs) He's a he's a tough blade, but he's not refined. Exactly. Um, So, and that's that's really what it comes down to. Is to me, while it was a good story, it wasn't the 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 issue of um, weight in a lot of the situations didn't quite pay off. Um, Junpei is not to me is not the type of character that goes. I see what you're. He 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 he's embracing everything involved with uh, Mali. He's not that going. Was,
0: that was the weird part, which I don't. I don't think it's a negative so much. So he's, exactly. Uh, he's, he's a little bit. He's a little too accepting, but it it does does. It's to your point. The conflicts aren't really there because he's so accepting of of situations like he definitely does take directions or turns in directions that I don't really expect. And the idea that typically with a lot of these stories, when faced with, you know, you have to choose this or this, it's kind of like the, do the fallback or do the, do the trusted side. Or obviously this is the choice he's going to make. He never really does. Like he does keep kind of pushing forward into the things that it's almost like he's a, he's almost like a kind of like a dog that has a smell and he keeps going after that smell. And it often drives him in directions that you don't really kind of expect. Um, early on, it was all about Miyako. He's he's sniffing towards that Miyako. This sounds really bad. He's sniffing towards that Miyako, and he has to keep going to that one place because he keeps smelling Miyako there. And then eventually, he gets that kind of, the whiff of, you know, again, technically this, this lady that does not accept what he does. Uh, doesn't accept his style. And he has to try to prove himself to her. He's got that smell, and he keeps going there. And <laughs> he keeps going there. And everybody's mad because he keeps coming there, even though he's not taking it serious. Like, he's not there for... The ballet that they've been striving for, they're not there for the you know the scholarship. He's there because of that smell, and they get mad because they keeps showing up. Like he's literally all about that smell, that twit, that tor- the sparkle, sparkle kira thing, and it, it does kind of get make it frustrating. Like literally early on, Junpei is kind of annoying. Like Junpei is not a likable character, especially early on. He's Again, he's obsessed with Miyako, and it's like, dude, seriously, chill. Like, like, dude, seriously, chill. We all know why Miyako's pulling you there. Um, but he's, like, super, super, like, into that. And then the moment that it kind of crashes on him, he gets all mad. It's like, dude, this guy's... Junpei is not likable early on. He he overlooks bullying happening around Luo, and obviously why. He doesn't want to shake his friends and, and cause himself to be outcast. Um, it's obviously a, a fear that comes around bullying and stuff that's around you. I, and it's it's kind of to a credit of the writer that they're willing to kind of stick him in that position where he doesn't speak up. He's not a hero. He's not going to step up and be the good person and save the, the bullied person because he doesn't technically like Ludo. So why would he stop the bullying when he doesn't like the dude? He's not going to join in, but he's not going to stop it. Um, he, he is very unlikable at the very beginning. But I do like that I guess the writer is willing to kind of put him in that position because you do kind of – you do kind of see him grow and that's usually, and it's typically through kind of these really, yeah, I would, I would agree these, these moments of him not really seeing backlash for what he does. He literally makes a mockery of Godai's um, entire school because of the performance that he did doing his own thing, shaking up the performance, trying to put himself in the front of the stage and basically being a mockery to technically the Japanese style of ballet that she doesn't want to recognize but literally making that school look bad they were kids were they were pulling kids out of her school (laughs) like and and it's like it doesn't really necessarily go wow i screwed up it's well i'm gonna prove myself to her it's like dude you're not helping the situation what are you doing Uh, um it's it's very juvenile in how junpei thinks and i think it's it's interesting but at the same time kind of a little frustrating and that get that gets in more into the later parts but I think overall it made it for an interesting main character that doesn't really do exactly what I would kind of a figure that a main character would do. He does technically seek out what he's seeking out in what he thinks is the way of remedying it. And it's not always the best way because again, it's typically juvenile. Um, but that said, I do, I do like kind of where the direction was taking it. I did. Well, I was a little bit frustrated with the whole Japanese versus Russian ballet uh, politics that gets involved there. And, and not some one side not wanting to acknowledge this side, uh, getting into Ro and the kind of crap that he was put through as a child, um, struggling with his, his you know, his lack of parental figure. Not quite sure what they were doing with that whole thing, but that's there. <laughs> it, it's a struggle for me, honestly. It's 11 episodes of kind of struggle because I like, I, I want to like what the writer's doing, but at the same time, I struggle with certain things the writer's doing. But in the end, I was engaged and I really did like the story overall. Now, my frustration, even though I was really loving the show, honestly, I think for um, the the half point, I would probably say a quarter into the show. I I started getting hooked on the show despite my issues, despite my getting frustrated with Junpei because, again, Junpei is an idiot kid. Um, Despite my frustrations with this juvenile kid (laughs) and the decisions that he makes, I really liked it. I was really liking the show. And then it started getting to that later – they kind of did something that I wasn't really expecting. But then they kind of did that whole thing where the artist gets too wrapped up in the performance. Like you have that moment where the characters decide randomly – not on a stage – randomly to act out a performance. And it was super cheesy. And it was literally – it was literally the writer trying to break up a certain relationship – and they chose to do it by them acting out the stage performance. <laughs> it was like one of those, are we really doing this? Like, can you not just have the characters say they're upset and walk away? No, we have to make it into the characters getting lost in their performance, and that's the breakup. It was super cheesy and felt so, so out of left field. Very out. Um, I don't know if it's the same in the manga, but it just felt very badly paced. It just kind of just... Okay, now they're chasing each other. Now they're acting this performance out. Now I'm I'm guessing these two are broke up. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> like it was it was super out of nowhere and I really didn't like it. And that kind of continued to the end of it. The end of it really felt like again, I can understand the character's choice and what they're doing, but he's obviously stepping into his next the next stage of his life. And it kinda of does make me want another season to kind of continue it on because I I, I really feel where the story's going now. I'm I'm I would probably really like it because I like what the direction are going with the characters um and plus I would think it would probably involve um Oikawa a lot more which I think she was fantastic like the brief moment that we had with Oikawa I really liked her character she she very much so jives with Junpei and I think the two of them are going to be like I think me and Chris are kind of on the same page with the direction it can go they feel like they can they're the ones that could probably stand out with their own style and probably get away with it yeah um and I think that that direction is what I was – it was starting to build up with, and I was really liking that um, despite the fact that they're being kind of pulled in two different directions, two different styles. Um, it all comes down to me saying I really do love this show. It's just there's these really nasty pinnacle points that make me really frustrated with how it's told uh, or at least junctions in the story. I think every time the story takes a junction where it turns or pivots – it's always rough. It's very rough. And it usually is because Junpei is a dumb kid. But <laughs> I still think there's so much potential here that I really want to see more of. Um, it's kind of the same. I, I do have a s- similar feel to something like Welcome to the Ballroom. It's it's a story that I don't think I would like. Like I, If somebody came up to me and said, hey, I have a show about a guy that just ba- does ballet. I don't care. I, I'm going to watch this show over here. But as soon as I start watching it, I'm going, crap, I like this. There's a guy to do ballet. Well, I don't want to do. I don't want to watch a a, a, a a dancing. I don't want to watch a show about a guy learning how to do you know a ballroom dancing. And then I watch it. And I really loved it. It's the same feeling there. I think they're both fantastic. They both need a second season. Where's Balk in the ballroom season two, please? Yeah. Uh, it,
1: it, and I agree. A lot of this, it, it, for for all of my quote unquote bashing, if you want to call it that, I did really like the show. I there's just these things in there that are just really kinda of freaking annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, same same samey, same. Anyways, that's uh I know I goofed up earlier, but it's it's dance dance dance. So check that out if that's interesting to you. Moving on, we have Trapped in a Dating Sim the World of Atome games is tough for mobs or Tomega Tomega, Sekai Wa Mob Ni Kibishi Sekai Desu. This one's streamed on Crunchyroll Ran for 12 episodes, done by studio ENGI. Source is a light novel. Genres are action, adventure, comedy, drama, fantasy, mecha, romance, everything under the bus. (laughs) Uh, This one follows a guy that is in our current modern times, um, assuming Japan, yes, pretty much Japan. And at some point, his sister kind of forces him by blackmail to have to play an Atome game so that she can unlock the ending to it. She... Apparently probably already played it before, and so she wanted him to do it for her and get her the ending. Otherwise, she was going to reveal something to her, his parents that she found. And so he does it. Pretty much pulls a couple of all-nighters, trying to get through the whole thing. Really hates it. Just hates the plot. It's like overblown. A lot of the fight scenes and stuff that you have to go through really dumb. Hates the characters, because the princes are all pretty boys that are dumb, and he doesn't like the ditzy main character. All the stuff that he hates about it, but he, he gets through it. <laughs> and then he decides that he's going to go get a drink or something from the convenience store and falls down some stairs and dies. Well, then he wakes up, and, well, he, he pretty much wakes up into the mind of, it was like a 10-year-old or something like that. He, he was reborn in another world, but it took a while before, like, his memories of his previous life kind of unlocked, and he realized that he'd been a set guide. And now he's in this other world, which he kind of figures out really quickly, is the game that he played through. <laughs> so... He decides, you know, I'm just going to be a mob. I'm going to be like this this non-played character, like this side character that doesn't affect the game, um, and tries to just have a normal life. But unfortunately, he is the son of a a father who had some court of, uh, sort of marriage to some sort of noble lady that's like super uh, mean. <laughs> Is going to find out the the this is kind of a matriarchy world where all the women have the power and so he's kind of forced to have to get married to somebody he doesn't want to get married to so he decides to make his own riches by using his knowledge of the game to find like these secret treasures in the world itself and um, get riches for himself so that he can make his own decisions but it eventually leads him to have to get married either one way or another which leads him to the academy where the actual tomei game takes place in this is the the area where the main female character comes to this Academy. She's like a, not really enough. She's a commoner. So she kind of gets a
1: scholarship of some, I keep
0: thinking that that word and I keep missing a scholarship to come to, to that Academy. And um, in the game, she's like obviously seen as a commoner, but yet she, you know, using the right choices, eventually swoons over the princes. And um, well, now that he's there, he realized really quickly, Oh, there's the girl. That's the main character. And there's all the princes. But then quickly realizes there's a new person here. Um, and she's doing all the lines that the main girl is supposed to be doing. So, But he's like, you know, I'm going to leave it be because I just want to be a mob. I'm going to come here, find some random girl to get married to, and move on with my life as a mob. But then quickly finds himself kind of getting pulled into the, <laughs> the main characters anyways. Because as he kind of finds out over time, um, again, this girl that's pulling all the strings that's not in the game is kind of causing a stir and then eventually that leads to pretty much the main villain girl of the game which is angelica him kind of feeling sorry for the situation that she's being put through and so he ends up stepping up and getting pretty much wrapped up in everything so your thoughts this one is an interesting
1: kind of tidbit for this season um i to 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 say that this ended up being the surprise of the season would be an understatement by far. Um I yes, we when we did the first first um the the preview for this it was like this is an interesting take on the um the isekai gen- genre. And so it I definitely had my eye on it. Um but even that's downplaying this quite a bit because when when it started out wasn't impressed by the visuals it didn't um didn't really capture me as far as um doing anything vastly superior it just kind of meandered and then when it when it came down to it the storyline for sure is really what kind of um pulled this story this show off um the, like Andrew was saying, this is a the the main character is effectively a mob character. Well, he's a mob character, but he's he's not even supposed to be really involved in the main storyline of this Atomi game. Um, and so, by virtue of him trying to stay out of all these situations, somehow he's becoming more and more involved in this, these situations. And th- this story actually pulls that off quite a bit. Um, especially as this other character who we have our speculations on who that character would be, um, that character is obviously trying to play the main heroine. And so the main heroine kind of gets left to the side, the side in, in, in most of these cases. And then eventually because of the main, the, the girl taking the main heroine spot, of course, the main antagonist gets kicked out of kicked to the side. And so Leon, uh, for all of his negative sides, um, he ends up being this really interesting kind of tidbit of a um really kind of a cool protagonist in a lot of cases. So it's 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 really interesting how all of these things kind of played in into this uh this this story, and I very much enjoyed it. Um, all said and done, visuals are not that great. Um, but when it comes down to it, I enjoyed this show a lot.
0: Yeah, I think the funny thing with this one is it's like a a continuous a continuously shifting thought process to my feelings on the show itself. Like, it didn't start good at all. Like, the first episode was kind of boring. It's just literally him going, I want to stay out of everything. I'm going to go get overpowered with money, um, Have enjoy my life. And then it kind of shifts into the academy itself, where you start to get the intrigue of like, okay, who's this Marie girl? This girl that's obviously taking the main of the uh, main role. And then it gets in this dumb like, I was like one or two up. Ep- it was I think it was a full episode of just nothing but really kind of dumb uh, tournament fighting. And I'm like, okay, that kind of put a little stain back on it. And then it comes back again. It it was a constant constant shift of like, okay. I don't really care much for this. Okay, this is kind of getting interesting with, you know, again twisting what this this Atomic game is and the story itself. And then again, this really dumb tournament. And then really getting into, oh my gosh, I really like this character. Like Leon is a he he's a jerk, but he's a jerk that does everything that you kind of want him to do. Like when you when you think, "Oh gosh, he he should give it to this person." He does. Like he does. And and then the the queen shows up and you're like, Okay, Queen's really cool. I like the Queen. Like, he literally proposes to the Queen in front of everybody. It's like he does exactly what you're kind of thinking in the back of your head, but you know as logically he shouldn't do. He does it. And I think that's what I really like about him. He's a jerk, but at the same time, he's a jerk that does what you kind of want a main character to do. He doesn't sit by and go, oh, my gosh, I really shouldn't do this. Now, he does get annoying later on. I will admit that. It gets to a point where Leon essentially turns into the, I need to be the mob. I need the mob. I can't be involved. I need to be the mob. And it's like, you're already involved. Like, you constantly involve yourself, and then you act like you don't want to get involved. He He's a little annoying like that. Like, I can't be a part of this story. I Obviously, this girl kind of is following me around. She might... I, I don't think she likes me, because I can't be involved. It gets kind of annoying in that regard. He does feel like he's a little dumb when it comes to romance, and like, what he's essentially opened the door for. He's like, he's, he's like, legit, the... The the most staple version of I don't want to be involved, but yet I am literally the center of attention right now. And it does get frustrating in that regard. But it, I still like it in the end because he kind of is a likable mean dude. <laughs> um, Now, what I wasn't really expecting was how interesting – how – what they did with Olivia and Angelica, honestly. I, I really did feel like – it kind of gives you a sense that they're just going to be kind of the two cute girls that get dragged along with his shenanigans. And they really were starting to do something very interesting with them. Olivia more on the idea of what happens when your main role is taken, like what, what defines you when you no longer have something there to define you and taking it to kind of an extreme. Now I don't think that they nailed the, the execution at the end. It was cute, but I didn't, I didn't feel like they did enough with it, despite the fact opening the door to something really interesting uh, maybe it was just me expecting too much and then being a little bit let down, but I still think it was cute in the end. Angelica, I think, was the 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 most interesting thing early on is taking a character that is obviously seen as a villain in the original game and then turning her into pretty much, yes, a love interest, but more of like turning her into a character that you can kind of feel for. Like you, you've, you understand why she's a villain. In the game, it's just that she is in the way of the main character. Uh, heroine getting the the prince but then when you turn into an aspect of well this maria girl is literally using a guidebook like she's literally using all the right answers to get the princes and yet angelica's over here being essentially told that she's not respecting the prince enough because he doesn't understand her well it's like well the marie is literally using cheats it's not like she understands you but the prince thinks that that she understands him And getting that stuff is kind of interesting. Like it it does tech it it does technically take the aspect of a dating sim game, a tome game, and really twisting it in a very interesting way. Again, having really solid characters to kind of drive it forward. Now, with all that said, I will feel I do want to say that the ending was it, it goes to a really crazy you know climax, and there's something really significant happening, but. I, I feel like this one this one itching thing in the middle was never really answered. And it kind of it bugs me. Now, granted, they already kind of ruined the reveals for that. Which is, what's the what's the identity of Marie? And they kind of just jumped episodes and then did some inner monologue with her. And just kind of revealed it. And it felt very anticlimactic. Like, they could have done something really cool to reveal that. But there's still another question that comes with that character. We never got it. And it's like, okay, well, that kind of sucks, but I I mean, again, we can kind of assume who that, what that identity is, but I don't know. I kind of felt that was a little anticlimactic, but like I said, the, the way they twisted this of stuff around, um, what they did with the princes was kind of interesting and the idea of them all basically being deceived and yet kind of backfiring on Marie a little bit, um, again, Olivia and Angelica. Um, really enjoyed their kind of story arcs, and Leon, like I said before, is just a really solid main character that I really enjoyed. So it, it it's a it's a mess. <laughs> it's it's a real mess that doesn't really come to anything like super satisfying in the end. But I did enjoy the journey just because, again, I I liked all the weird stuff that they kind of did with this particular setup. I mean, we've we've had dating sim games, we've had um, next life as a villainous and stuff, but. This definitely took it from a different vantage point that I thought was really interesting and very entertaining in the end, so. it is a suggestion for me? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. Doesn't look the greatest. Um I didn't I I agree with a lot of people that the original character designs from the the light novel and manga looked fantastic and I kind of wish that they did those instead, but they for some reason chose to go the route that they did, which doesn't make any sense to me, but it is what it is. It's not really I'm sure they had some reasoning for their choice. I don't know what it is, but they're still cute. Like they, the characters were still cute, though. It's it's one that
1: definitely needs more. It, it for yeah. sure. I mean, this is one of those that I I probably will go to the light novel for this if I don't get some kind of satisfaction later because there's so much that I definitely want to dig into on this one. This one is really interesting in the way that they pulled off a lot
0: of the stuff that they did. Thank you pick Moving on from Trapped in a Dating Sim, we have Hiller Girl. Hiller Girl is streaming on Crunchyroll Run for 12 episodes, done by Studio 3, uh, Studio 3 Hertz, and the source is an original. The genres are music fantasy slice of life. And this one follows Kana, Remy, and Remy, and Hibiki. And these are three apprentice Healer Girls. As we come kind of to find out, this is a world kind of similar to our own modern times, but the only oddity about this world is that there exists healer girls or people that can heal with their song. And it's kind of a, what I kind of like about it is that it kind of makes it very grounded that this is an actual profession in this world. You have to train for it. You have to get a license for it. There's clinics that people practice healing arts. There's even over the counter medicine in, in healer girl stuff, which is that you can buy records that have song in it, but it's kind of a generic healing um, but it's it's definitely something that has to be crafted and trained, as Kana, Remy, and uh, Hibiki are under the tutelage of Ria Karasuma, who works at this clinic, and they're all learning on a daily basis. Well, they're trying to learn on a daily basis. It doesn't seem like she wants to train them ever, even though they constantly want to, uh, but they're constantly having to learn about medicine. They have to learn about you know the, your standard stuff that you would have to learn to become a practitioner of, of medicine, and so they have to learn about over pharmaceuticals. They have to learn about um, different things about the human body. Because one kind of thing they really established really quickly is they're not allowed to perform their healing on people. They're not allowed to just run down and some kid skins, skins his knee and, and do healing magic on them. They have to actually learn because there's an actual craft to it itself. Because they have to tailor make their music for their patient. If they don't do it properly, they can actually cause discomfort or uneasiness about their patient. So they often they, – one really good example early on was they had this this pregnant lady who was having retractions or contractions. And this other girl who was a C-rank, I believe she was, um, she starts to perform on her with Kana, and they, they mess up. They're like halfway through the song, and then suddenly things start crumbling. They, they kind of give you a visual, almost as if they're taking the person and bringing them into a, a windy field of grass – And then at some point, everything starts to crumble around them because they're not doing it properly. They're not tailoring it to both the pregnant mother and the infant inside of her. So it quickly falls apart. So that's something they have to really learn is that they have to tailor every song for exactly what they're performing. Um, And I like later on, they kind of start getting into um, actually performing music at like surgeries and stuff like that to calm the nerves of the the patient plus the the one performing the, the surgery itself. Um but yeah, that's pretty much them learning their art and trying to learn something from this apprentice that or this 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 teacher that doesn't want to teach them anything half the time. <laughs> Your thoughts on Hill Girl.
1: I absolutely love this show. Um I I love the music. I loved the characters, um, I really, really enjoyed the visuals. This is one of those shows that um I I really I love how, like Andrew was talking about, the balancing between the the different aspects. Uh, the surgeries were some of the 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 most fantastic aspects of this show. Of, um, like Andrew was talking about, the the balancing between the the surgeons and the surgery and 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 the patient and and how just the minor thing things can start to spiral out of control very quickly and. And when when the the teacher would uh, jump in and, and get involved in the situation to kind of bring it back out of its its kind of critical situation or something like that, all of these things place a weight on what what's going on in the in in these situations. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, again, I really, really do love the visuals when when they were doing like Andrew was talking about the the kind of visualization of these um the, the singing and how all of these moments of kind of these uh, flying away into these um, uh, peaceful fields and and these healing angels or whatever you want to call them, these mini miniature versions of uh, mages. Yeah. The miniature versions of all these characters as, as they're singing and and holding these characters up and, and, and saying, look, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. A lot of this stuff, I I was teared up several times constantly with these uh, goosebumps of just being swallowed up by these moments, and and I really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I highly recommend this, especially if you love uh, musicals and stuff like that. A lot of the times, it did get kind of cheesy with the musical aspect. <laughs>
0: I will not deny that. Um, if oh my gosh. An entire episode of them not yeah. <laughs> stopping singing. <laughs> I was like, that was super cheesy. I mean, it was goofy, but it was super cheesy. But, yeah. Okay, please stop singing. Please o- stop singing everything. Overall, I really enjoyed myself watching this show. I am... I started very hot on this show. And had a very long lulling point of this show before it kind of finished. I... I think this is one of those shows where I I love the concept behind it. I think it's an absolutely beautiful show. Studio 3 Hertz did a fantastic job with uh, perspective shots, just animating the character singing. Again, a lot of the performances when they're singing. Uh, Music, absolutely top-notch. They have, like, every time the characters sing, they're really ramping up the instrumentals. They have, like, this whole orchestra in the background. And the three the three Seiyus or their their vocalists just did a fantastic job of performing these songs, um, pretty much all in sync with each other. It just sounded so beautiful. Like if you're gonna have a show that's about girls healing with music, you kinda need to have really good music. So they pulled it off. Like these these girls did a fantastic job of performing their songs. And again, the instrumentals to back it up just made every single point they were actually singing just phenomenal. The problem that I had with the show is that I really loved how it opened up. I really love this idea of really solidifying that this is a profession. This is something that exists in our modern times. This is something that can go side and side. They kind of play a little joke on the – they, they they kind of almost pegged it into the realm of something like a chiropractor where like the, the hospitals and stuff don't really acknowledge them as being actual you know professionals and they kind of look down upon them a little bit. Then you kind of have them actually come into an actual real world environment of like again a surgery or something like that, where they almost kind of have to acknowledge them, like okay these people did kind of help us get through this whole project because again they don't want to see them as being equals or at least you know coincide with them, but the end they they realize no these are actually beneficial assets to our practice, and I I think that's a nice thing because early on the 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 big question mark is so can they sing and close like. Some if somebody's stabbed or something like that, can they just like sing and it just closes up? It it still paints it as they they still have to technically have surgeons. They have to have hospitals. They can't. It's not a cure all, and there's limits to what they can do. Um, a lot of it again is kind of soothing pain. It's soothing and it's helping with certain illnesses and stuff like that. It's not a cure all, and so it, they kind of work side by side. and I really love how they established it as an actual real-world environment working profession. This is this is our modern time wizards. And the way that they managed to make that work and feel grounded in reality was really cool. I really liked it. It felt, it felt believable to have this in, as an existence in this world. And then, like I said, it kind of lulled for me. The music and the performances were still fantastic, but it just kind of it, – it got to a point where it just kind of lulled. I still love the music. But they were getting into like the you know the school festivals, and they were doing the typical uh, anime trope type of stuff, throwing it in there out of nowhere. And it's like, get back to over here where it was really interesting, and it it felt like a real profession. Why are we doing all this stuff and and just kind of messing around? And then it felt like at the very end of it, it kind of felt rushed. So it was like, why do we spend all this time with the festival and stuff like this, and now we're rushing to this kind of they kind of – since it's an original, they kind of did like an almost an after story kind of thing. Like this is where they're going. Like this is the direction they're they're taking these characters. And I felt like that part felt very rushed because, again, I feel like they wasted too much time over here. The stuff that wasn't so interesting to me. Now it could be a lot of – obviously for Chris. Um, other people could be a lot more interesting. But I felt like it was kind of a waste of time because – and why I say that is because I wasn't as interested in all that kind of fluff that they put in the middle there. Um, what I was drawn to was, again, the music. What I was drawn to was the characters and them growing in this profession. It wasn't all this other stuff that kind of felt like it derailed the story and, again, kind of lost my interest. But in the end, it was still a very beautiful show. I still really enjoyed it. I think it was a fantastic and very different take on, again, like a, I don't know, magician, healer type of story. But uh, it's very unique in its own right. And I think the characters really really carried the show a lot. Kana's kind of goofy, uh, ganky, a little bit ganky, and and very ditzy in a lot of regards, really headstrong going into situations. Remy, I like what they did with Remy, especially with her story with her maid. I think it was super fantastic. Um, at the same time, early on, she was really annoying. <laughs> like, her obsession with their master was like, Okay, this is going to get annoying really quickly. And I kept doing it and I'm like please stop. Just just we get it. You're obsessed with your master. Please stop. Um Hibiki was kind of out of nowhere. It felt like like cuz she was like the last I think yeah, she was the last one they really got into. And her kind of insecurities about her skills was a little bit heartbreaking. At the same time didn't really feel like I don't know. I, I feel like it di- didn't execute it quite right for me, but I mean, it still it still kind of delivered the impact that it was going for. And I always liked her as a character, especially early on. I, I just got a huge kick out of the stupid face in the corner of her room. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually <laughs> surprised yeah, to out, and then
1: later on, she freaks out about it. I, I, b- to be honest, I was actually very surprised how they didn't like because if if you go in to at face value, Kana is obviously the. Um, the one who's supposed to be the one that takes over and, and becomes
0: the the prodigy out of the, yeah, she, the three she, of them. she had her image come out, like, right, right, right off the bat. Right, and it, and, and, and essentially, it, it, they seem to insinuate that the, the more skilled you are, the more capable you are of bringing out what they call an image, which is like, again, like Chris was mentioning, like these old chibi versions of you that come out, and they're, it seems like they amplify what you're doing. And she showed that she's able to do that like really early on so yeah it kind of gives this idea that she's like a prodigy like she's way too good for her own self
1: right and and so you would figure that the other two would kind of get put to the wayside pretty quickly and and just become become more focused on Kana. They didn't do that. Instead, she like sucks Andrew, at her
0: grades. Yeah, it, when it, <laughs> she sucks <laughs> at knowledge about pharmaceuticals
1: and stuff. When it comes down to it, like Andrew was mentioning, the the other two very quickly um, kind of get wrapped into the main. As a trio, these three are fantastic together. Each one of them has their own strength that they bring to the team. And eventually, they all, at, at one point in, towards the end, they're they're all going, no, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you the, and, and how yeah, you that was, can do that this. I, I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I like how they didn't just make one of them shine more than the other two is my point.
0: Yeah, that's um, and Sonya was great, too. I love when they first introduced Sonia. <laughs> She's <is> great. <laughs> she, like, she gets, comes to Kana and goes, I need you to come with me over here. And Kana's never met her before. She's just like, okay. And then Sonia starts walking away. And then Kana just starts bolting the other direction. <laughs> and then she chases <laughs> her down and says, why'd you run away? Well, my mom said never to go with strangers. She's like, that's really good advice. But I need you to go with me. <laughs> it's like, goal. <"Lul." laughs> so dorky. They're, they're a bunch of goofballs. Um, anyways, that's healer, that's girl check that out it's interesting i was surprised and there's so many shows this season had rap battles like kaguya had rap battles obviously your boy kong Ming had uh rap battles um a uh, and son had rap i yeah. think at some point healer girl like like i was waiting for it like i was uh, like remy gets a little bit like rock ish but yeah that was the only one of course they were trying to keep it with strictly like, it seemed like something else had had rap as well yeah, I think there was another one. It was like, it was a little like four or five shows. Like, what <laughs> is with rap this season? Everybody wants to do rap this season. Anyways, uh, Halo Girl, that's that's uh, that's that's that show. Moving on, we have I'm Quitting Heroing or Yusha Yamiwasu. This one's streaming on High Dive, run for 12 episodes, done by EMT Squared. The source is a light novel. The genres are action, adventure, comedy, fantasy and be advisors technically two OVAs i think one's coming out in next or august i think and i think one already came out i haven't checked out yet but um yeah this one follows the hero of this fantasy world Leo um, as we kind of find out this this guy is super powerful and he has gone out there and he has destroyed the demon lord and her entire army and then as, upon returning back to the kingdom you know proud and having taken and saved humankind they reject him They're like, okay, the the biggest threat's gone. This guy's obviously a monster because he was able to solo take down the entire Demon Lord army. This guy's very dangerous. We don't like him. We need to get him out of here. And even the king himself's like, you know, look, Leo, I know you did a lot of great things for us. You took down the Demon Lord. I'm really thankful, but I have to listen to the people. I I have to exile you. I have to get you out of here. So Leo accepts this and leaves, and he goes back to the Demon Lord, (laughs) walks into her throne room and says, hey, can I get a job here? <laughs> can I can I help you rebuild the Demon Lord army? The humans don't want me. Might as well come here, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, Echidona, the Demon Lord, is like, n- no, get get the hell out of here. Tries to blast him. Of course, he doesn't doesn't hurt him because he's the super overpowered hero. So he decides to get the the generals off the side, the four generals, and say, hey, look, guys, I I really want to help you here. Can I can I can I prove myself to? you? Well, I, I think it was uh, Steina eventually says, you know, look, if you can prove to each one of us that you are. Going to help us, we will together because they they kind of have a feeling that you know he he does want to help them um we'll go to the demon lord and try to convince her for you, and so that kind of starts this whole thing where Leo has to go to each one of these generals, help them with their jobs, help them make them more efficient, help them with their issues, and all to convince them that he does want to in fact help the demon lord, and then they can go tell the demon lord to help her out so. Your thoughts on I'm quitting heroing. I really hate that synopsis because it's so much more than this. (laughs) I'm probably going to get into it, but (sighs) one one of the things that
1: I do truly love about this is that they took something that at the very beginning seems kind of odd and you kind of want to dig into it, um, and they kind of full-circled it. So that that beginning was important and crucial at the end. And I think that this is one of the things that... um, Makes, makes the show as, as unique as it is. Leo as a character is is an, odd, is an oddity. Um, you, you, as you're watching through the entire story, you, you find that Leo is probably one of the more fascinating aspects to this story. Um, because every, every time he turns a page on another character in the story, you find yourself being more and more intrigued by Leo himself. For instance, he's at the very beginning, you're 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 going into the aspect of Leo going into this the the demon Lord's army and finding himself trying to get himself involved in this. And he goes through the process of, quote unquote, fixing each one of the demon Lord's generals. Um, and as each one of these characters he's trying to um, to fix them, He's quote, effectively learning more about himself, and at the same time, opening more doors to who he is as a character. Um, ultimately, in the penultimate, getting to ultimately uh, the demon lord, her, the demon lord herself. And this is one of the fascinating aspects to this this show, is that each chapter is. Introducing you more to not only those characters, but also to him. And, um, I, I really do love the character development in general in this, this show. It's, to me, it's really well done and it doesn't feel like it's leaving anything per se on the table. It's saying, yes, all of these things are important ultimately, um, and I I I do give a lot of props to this. Is it one of my favorites of all time? No, it but
0: it is a very good one, for sure. Yeah, I I <laughs> This is a this is a troubling one because I I think overall like the first 11 episodes of this show was absolutely incredible. And it's funny cuz coming into the show is not really it's not like super hyper engaging. Like opening up the show it's like okay, betrayed hero is betraying the the people because, well, they, they kick me out. I might as well join the bad guys. They might accept me. And yeah, like to Chris's credit, I do ag- agree the idea that it's one of those things where over time you do figure out why, like this isn't like, I kind of mentioned in a video that I made really kind of hyping up the show about halfway through is like, this is, this is the ultimate example of a show that's about the title, but the title means so much more like yes he's quitting heroing as in the idea that he's no longer the hero i'm quitting heroing ha 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 go doing the, join the evil uh, the evil demon lord's army but then like it becomes like the the title becomes the hero itself like it becomes the character himself leo and when you start to really dive in it, starting off it like feels like that it feels like it's just okay hero leaves joins the demon lord army gets a harem He's going to get Echidona, and Lily is cute, and then you also have Steina, and then Edwald's got a cute daughter. He's going to get a harem, right? No, it's it's not about that. It's like, it's, yes, it's about helping each one of these generals, and that, and that was fun. I mean, it technically has, like, an episode per general as they go through each one of them. And then it hits one particular general, and the door just flings right open, and I'm like, holy crap, what are they doing with Leo as a character? Like, it suddenly out of nowhere shifts, and I'm going... Oh my gosh! If they're gonna, if they're doing this, this is crazy. Like it just out in, is this kind of just like the punchline issue? Like we we tell people all the time, punchlines fantastic. It's like, well, the it's it's just an etchy show. Yeah, but just keep watching it. Like you, it it opens up as an etchy show, and it's dumb etchy. And at some point, four or five of six episodes in, it just flips it, and you're like, what is a show anymore? Like, what are we doing? And it's so fantastic how it flips it. This show does the same thing. At some point, it just flips it. The script just gets flipped, and suddenly it's like, what am I What am I watching now? Like, this is not what I came into the show expecting, and now suddenly I'm realizing this writer is really good at what they do, and they're really good at really taking a hero character, an overpowered main character, and really tearing him apart and doing something really incredible with it, and that's what really hooked me. Like, I'm suddenly going... This is easily going to be the greatest show of this season, possibly of the year. And I loved every minute of it, building up all the way up. So much tension they're building up with this character and doing – again, they're they're essentially taking the concept of a hero and really dissecting it and making it into a mindset that is kind of toxic in itself. And then, like I said, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And people disagree with me. That's perfectly fine. I feel like as much as I loved that build-up so much, every minute of it I loved and I was eating it up. I do feel like that last episode, 12, just it's a good ending, but it just doesn't deliver on the build-up of an impact that it was trying to build up. Like everything was building up to something really explosive and I felt like it just petered out like that that last moment it's fine it's just it didn't it didn't hit not that i wanted to do one thing or another and people know what i'm talking about they had two choices it just it didn't it didn't deliver an impact and it almost felt like it ignores everything that built up to that point there was there was a cause and effect and they didn't even acknowledge the cause itself It just – it did not have the impact at the end that I was really expecting to happen, especially since I know this writer's so dang good at what they do. They do characters so dang good. I loved every single minute of the show, more so in the middle half – the the middle section and towards the later part. But I think it failed to deliver an impactful ending that really gave that oomph for all that buildup. That's really my – that's my only – that's my only down or my only dissatisfaction with the show. Other than that, I still think it's an incredible journey, and I really love what they did with Leo as a character. And it's some of the best overpowered main character writing I've ever seen. Really, not making it about the overpoweredness, but really about the effects of it having on somebody. And again, really, what your your whole your whole purpose was again to be a hero, and what does it mean to be kind of dislodged from that? And the effects it has on a the character there's there's one really did not it's not a spoiler, but there's one really good line at some point or at least segment of of lions where it really kind of hits on this idea of why are you not angry? Why don't you just go kill them like you can you can easily take out all of the humans. why wouldn't you? like it's coming from a character that literally hates humans and he's like when they said that, I was happy like it's this moment of like When they said they no longer wanted me, I was happy. I was free. And it was like, it felt so weird how they laid it out. And I like that I felt weird at that time. I felt uneasy when those lines came out. Because it ends up getting into something later on that kind of solidifies why that would feel so uneasy. Why is he smiling when he says that? It's such good character writing. And, again, aside from my dislike of the the impact of the final uh, episode, again, some people disagree... Um, it's, it was still a really great journey.
1: I am very curious if they anime original, at the end I There's, I, I do. I haven't kind seen of agree. anybody say
0: that it just that it went away from really? it.
1: Really? So. I I'm very, because I'm very curious because I do kind of agree that it didn't have the impact that I was kind of hoping for. I I don't think it was bad in any way. I, I very much came away from this in, ju- uh, feeling complete in my journey, but when it comes down to it, I'm I'm not going to deny it didn't hit as much as I wanted it to
0: yeah like I said it, 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 there was two routes and it's not that I wanted one or the other um, it's just it it didn't it didn't feel like oomph. like it didn't feel like all that build up was for something anyways uh, that's I'm quitting heroing um, definitely a suggestion in the end I, I, I really enjoyed it so Tomodachi Game is our next one it's streaming on Crunchyroll Remember for 12 episodes done by studio uh, Okuroto Naburo and this one is uh, sources of manga. The genres are drama, mystery, psychological. And this one follows Yuichi, Shihō, Makoto, Yutoroi, and Tenji, and they are five friends. <laughs> I can never say it right. Whatever I say, it they're five friends. Um, we're sp- they're friends. Um, they they're in the same class together, and they're friends. And at some point, the, the class is kind of gathering funds to go on this big field trip. And Yuichi's like the poorest, so he has to go out and do like a bunch of work by himself to get all the money for it. And he he pulls it off. Everybody's got the money. Everybody's happy. And then the money goes missing. And everybody's trying to suspect people. And then eventually, two of the classmates, the, the class pres and the vice pres, they, they disappear. Um, everybody's suspecting them. And then at some point, everybody seems to get a letter sent to them to all meet each other at the school gates. And when they arrive there, everybody's like, hey, you sent me a letter. What would you need? Uh, no, you sent me a letter. Uh, then they get attacked by some people and dragged off to what is called the Tomodachi game, where they're all in, like, this facility, and they have to compete, prove that they're friends basically. They, they, they claim, specifically, if you're not true friends, if you don't trust your friends, you will fail this game. And it's just basically them going through game after game that really challenge their trust of each other and if they're really friends, all for the sake of debt. So they start off with this mindset that they all have this kind of combined debt that they, they assume somebody, somebody has to, you know, uh, at least authorize them to join the game. So one of them, one of the five friends, obviously pulled them all into this so they have a debt or they the ones that stole the money. Well, that's all kind of under question as they go through each of these games. Depending on what you do in each game could get you more debt. Revealing how much debt you have at the current time on your little score on your name tag could get you more debt. Um, it's all to kind of compete against this game. Yuichi's the mostly the perspective that we get. And Yuichi, again, like I said earlier, is like the, the kid that's kind of having to strive to survive. He doesn't have much money. He's, he kind of has he's of two minds. He's I think their parental. I think they said at some point it was his mom and dad. I don't think they yeah, really his, specified, but
1: his mom wants him to be friends with people, and his dad wants him to care about money.
0: His mom's his mom kind of instills upon him that friendships the most important thing in life, and his father is money is the most important things in life, which kind of indicates that these two probably went to the Tomodachi game at some point. Because why would they bring that up? Because it's specifically very specific to the Tomodachi game that he's now involved with. Uh, but Yuichi is kind of clever in the idea that he's 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 very tricky. He knows how to really manipulate people and so he kind of becomes a focal point of really trying to you know kind of navigate everything the situation. Obviously the friends you know having their own possible gain in the whole situation but Yuichi's goal really turns into quickly to just I want to destroy the Tomodachi game and he's he won't let them defeat him and he's going to def- destroy them so your thoughts on Bob the Builder and Chucky having a baby <laughs> called Manabokun. Um, and when it
1: comes down to it, um, I for the longest time I, I I have watched through all the entire show and I tried really really hard to decide if I liked the show or hated it because I I can't I couldn't I couldn't find I couldn't decide um, because in one hand I I th- kind of liked the concept. And on the other hand I just despise the characters. In in general <laughs> I despise the characters. There's no good characters. And this there. is and this is w- really the the frustrating aspect of uh, because everybody wants to pretend like they're the master evil mind behind everything. Everything's uh, according to Kagaku, Chris. I know it. And, and this is the, the 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 annoying thing is I can't I can't I can't empathize with any of these characters. They 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 it's it's their 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 emotions are so extreme in every situation. It it's 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 frustrating because Yuichi I can't I can't understand him in any way shape or form. Shiho I guess kind of um Tingy maybe. I even Tingy I didn't I didn't didn't care for. It. And and, the, and yeah I guess I that makes sense that all these characters are um Effectively, um, extreme versions of each one of these emotions. I guess. I mean, basically, I, I got frustrated, and and I, in the end, I got so annoyed by all these characters that I couldn't. Was I couldn't it ended? Enjoy, <laughs> I couldn't enjoy <laughs> A very it. Very abrupt and, ending. And, it, it was, and and that's the frustrating thing is I I kind of wanted to want, like it, but I I don't, and I know that I'm gonna, I'm making all kinds of people mad because I I didn't understand it some, some something or other, I'm sure, but when it comes down to it, I didn't I I wish I liked it, um, but when it comes down to it, and I did I did watch and wanted to enjoy it, but I couldn't, I I just really couldn't,
0: I, and so I'll leave it there. Chris uneasily bashes a show, and he doesn't you – now you guys know why he doesn't bash shows. He just gets, like, so uneasy about it. <laughs> no, this is this is definitely um, all according to plan um, the anime. And there's a side of me that kind of likes it sometimes, but for the most part I don't. And I think that's really the driving force for somebody going to enjoy this show. And that's – most of the comments that I've seen is, most people that like this show like Tenji or uh, Yuichi. No, like Tenji. Nobody likes Tenji. <laughs> Most people that like this show like Yuichi. You, you, they like a the main character that doesn't whine and sit around. And when he does whine, you know he's just doing it because it's part of the plan. Um, Yuichi is a male protagonist character that's not an absolute spaz that sits there and whines. And a lot of people do like that aspect. I mean, it's kind of similar to something like um, Death Note and stuff. It's a, a main character that's not... A side character he's not he's not a a doormat for everybody else he really does take charge and just drives into something and if you like that type of main character and again technically the type that goes haha it's all according to my plan in the end every single time you're going to enjoy it and even when you think that it might be somebody else's plan it's probably uichi's plan (laughs) it's he's just that he's that smart and he's that calculative um, and I think if you like that kind of style, especially in the realm of a quote-unquote death game, and yes, it's, it's a death game, whether you like it or not. It's a death game because debt is death. And if you like that in that kind of setting, I think it's going to even be more uh, of a drive for people to check it out. Um, me personally, I'm kind of shrug on it. And it's honestly, I, I get most of the time I get really frustrated with it's all according to plan uh, writing. I had that same well, pra- problem with uh, Platinum Inn. It's like, every time it would be all according to this guy's plan, it's just like, okay, then why am I even watching? Like, everything's according to your plan, and if you don't make it interesting enough to... If you don't make it twist when it happens, I don't care. I don't care for you to reveal to me everything you've laid out after the fact, and go, oh, I tricked you. Like, okay. Uh, next time something happens, again, next time Yuichi cries, I'm gonna go... It's just according to his plan. Why are you acting like it's a big deal?
1: In in a lot of cases, that's it. I, it and that was the the thing that
0: frustrated me is I, if if I could, if he actually failed here and there, I would probably more interested. And I don't think he really does that. Exactly. It, it was
1: he's really a demon in disguise. <laughs> huh? Okay, yeah, but he's he's practically pulling these these things out of his hind end. I I mean, I would believe it if I could go through the process of the... But no, it doesn't... It just... Uh, well, I'm going to honey trap him. Okay, I gotcha. I, I understand the honey trap thing.
0: But when it comes down to it... Uh, really? I mean, come on, guys. No, I, I agree with Chris that I, I I think the biggest flaw this show has... I mean, besides... I, like, again, I, I think if if you like Yuichi's character from the first episode, you're going to love the show. Um, But I think the biggest issue this show really had was that it never established them as friends like from the get-go it feels like these guys are just at each other's throats it's like wait so am i supposed to believe these are friends (laughs) like when do these people meet (laughs) like have they ever like this is supposed to be the ultimate game for friends and it's like i don't really feel like these guys are friends um but again my 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 expectation was that it was going to be friendships through uh tribulations like they're going to be put through some crazy stuff they're going to reveal all their cars they're going to show how they really feel about each other, and that's going to make them even stronger friends. And I think if that's the ultimate goal of the manga, because obviously this keeps going, I think that will actually be really cool. That we would, as the viewer and as the reader, would learn more about these guys and have them become solidified as friends through the Tomodachi game. Because it's obviously, whoever's pulling the strings in the background for this Tomodachi game has a lot of power, and they're controlling um, a lot of organizations, including the police. So, they can pretty much do whatever they want, and these kids are going to get dragged through it. And it gets deeper and deeper as it goes along and much more threatening as it goes along that it could turn into something really good. I just think that for this first kind of segment, we haven't really gotten there with maybe w- with one character. Um, other than that, I think everybody else is kind of, un- yeah, a little bit unlikable. (laughs) There's no likable characters here. Um, Everybody is is a facade of what they actually are, and for some reason, everybody's a mastermind in their own mind about how they're going to manipulate everybody else, even though they just joined this tomodachi game. Um, And just had me the entire time expecting Yutori to be the one that's behind everything. You know she's behind everything. (laughs) You know (laughs) she's going to be behind everything. In the end, Yutori is going to be behind everything, because she's the only character that never like shows a derpy evil face. And she's the only one in the O P E D that doesn't have an evil face. So, you know, she's a mastermind. Something fun to fun, fun to
1: consider that you'll probably depending on if you feel like it's spoiler, you, you can yank it. But, um, the group that, uh, kidnapped a certain character towards the end, um, is pretending to be, um, in involved in the Tomodachi game, but, It Tomodachi Game is a shadowy organization that nobody knows about. (laughs) Right?
0: That was stupid. All right, they were just they were doing their own Tomodachi Game, which they're not. They don't like that. The the, right. It's just really making the Tomodachi Game to be out like a yes. It's a single. It's it's kind of like if somebody goes around acting like they're the Yakuza. The Yakuza are going to be really angry about that.
1: Right, I agree, but nobody knows about this, and you're not supposed to talk to anybody about this organization that. Supposedly doesn't exist, but random gangsters on the m- middle of the
0: street know about it. Well, they could have been involved in a game. <laughs> they could have been in a game. But yeah, that's um, that's a game. That's uh um, check that out if that sounds good to you. It was it was a good ride though, and in, in the end, it was fine. I I, I just feel like the inning for sure is like super like. All right, to the next game. Bye everybody. <laughs> it's like okay. That wasn't really that wasn't really satisfying ending at all. But uh, yeah, check that out if that sounds to you. The Greatest Demon Lord is reborn as a typical nobody. The most misleading title ever. Shijo uh, Saikyo no daimo Murabito a ni Tensei Suru. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll Ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Silverlink and Blade. This source is a light novel. The genres are action and fantasy. This one follows Ard. And, well, it follows uh, the Demon Lord of this world. And he's super powerful. And he leads this entire Demon Lord army. And at some point, it kind of shows how he's feeling secluded. Like, nobody sees him as human anymore. They don't... You know, nobody's... He's not seen as a a regular everybody. Like, he's just... He's secluded to being royalty, basically. And so he feels very isolated. And at some point, kind of feeling like, like he's lonely. He doesn't like this anymore. He decides to cast a spell to reborn himself. So he pretty much gets rid of himself and allows himself to be reborn in the future. And he wants to be reborn as... As a typical nobody, but yeah, it just so happens he is born under the, like these two heroes, like this, this mother and father that used to be like these big uh special heroes and adventurers. So yeah, that didn't work out, but of course he still has a lot of his power. He has his knowledge from his previous life and it's kind of similar to um Um the Demon Lord Academy where it's like this idea that everything has been dumbed down. Like magic's been really dumbed down human and magic kind has been kind of dumbed down to the point where everybody's forgotten these old, like he uses abilities and everybody's like, Oh, that's a secret, uh, lost art, uh, last, last magic art, lost magic art or something like that. And he's like, Oh, that's just flight or something like that. Uh, so obviously he's, he's got to edge up to everything else because he knows about all this lost magic art. Um, but yeah, quickly wants to meet friends, but he's terrible at it because He's always been isolated as the Demon Lord for so long that he doesn't know how to meet people. He's always, like, expecting people to come to him to to seek an audience. <laughs> so him trying to meet people is really terrible. Eventually, uh, knowing that his parents knew the mayor of the town, Weiss, uh, figures, you know, I should be able to be friends with his daughter, uh, Inanna. So he quickly jumps, gravitates to her and tries to be friends with her, but she doesn't really like her existence. She feels she feels like she's been uh, bullied out of... She doesn't feel like she can meet anybody, and that she's always bullied out of, of friends and stuff. Um, eventually, he ends up going to this academy together with her and meets Guinea, who's this, like, succubus servant girl that gets beat around and teaches them how to use magic and yeah, tries to hide the fact that he was past Demon Lord because oh, it just so happens, uh, one of his old generals... <laughs> works as a teacher here. Um, and then it gets crazy later on weird stuff later on, <laughs> but yeah, your thoughts. Do you, do you need the ask when you talked about the,
1: the it gets weird later on it, it, that, that probably is what destroyed it for me. I probably. don't know. Um, I, I, was, I was, I was very mixed with the later part. I was okay with it per se. Um, it was doing fine. I, it, it, it just kind of a silly kind of build a hair, build your harem um kind of feels uh like it wants to have fun and have at the same time you know kind of a s- semi serious uh storyline and i i thought it was doing fine and then time and not i i kind of like that they they got into some of the background story through this this thing that they were doing it towards the end but at the same time, it really got frustrating, especially when they introduced a the antagonist of the quote unquote time leap that they were doing, and I got really, really frustrated in that. And I it maybe that's what kind of checked me out uh, because I don't I think, think it was they, fine. It was just kind of boring to me. It didn't work, and I I got really kind of frustrated with it, and it didn't it didn't add anything to the story as a whole. Um. Like I said, I did like the fact that they kind of were introducing some of the characters that they kept talking about, um, and getting into those characters was fine. But when it comes down to it, I was more frustrated by – it didn't feel like it was doing anything except for arguing about an, an ultimate consequence, and it got really frustrating to me. And I kind of ended up more on the,
0: I didn't much care for it, it in the end. I, I enjoy any scene with Guinea in it. That's it. <laughs> no, I, I like Sylphie Sylphie Sil- <laughs> was great too. When they finally introduced Sylphie, that was, that was funny because she keeps getting tripped up by Irina. Uh, like Cause she sees somebody else in Irina. So every time Irina says something like, you know, bad or something like that, she suddenly just cripples. Um, so that was super cute. I, I, this is kind of one of those shows where it kind of opens up. Ard's kind of unbearable. Like, he's, he's, he's stupid, uh, unable to socialize with people. Like, he's, he's super bad at socializing. And again, obviously, according to the story, is because he was a demon lord for so long that he forgot how to socialize with normal people because everybody did not want to socialize with him normally. Um, so he's, 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 Super stupid at the very beginning, <laughs> and I, I, I appreciate the fact that at some point they kind of time jump and get away from that. Like he he does learn how to communicate with people, um, although he just, he does kind of see things differently than most people. Still, even even at that point, he just he at least can talk to people, um, and I like Tim pulling in Guinea, and it was it was feeling like it was, was going to be just a standard overpowered main character reborn uh, which is kind of w- with these set guys kind of the booming trend right now is the reborn self um you know strongest stage with the weakest crest and and um the the demon lord uh demon lord academy one it, it seems like that's like the new trend right now along with these guys is, is not to be transported to another world but just to be reborn in, in the same world but a little bit more powerful and it felt like I was going to go in the standard fair with that, with a little harem. And I, I, like I said, I I got a kick out of Inana. I really liked Guinea. Um, I just, I think Guinea is just super forward. Like at the very beginning, Guinea is like super timid because again, she's technically uh, bossed around by this Rido guy that was uh, her master. Um, you know, broke my heart broke for her. And then he kind of Ard gives him like, or kind of guides her into how to use magic in a certain way that kind of benefits her. And then she gets, like, this massive amount of confidence, and technically she's a succubus. <laughs> and so she, she goes, like, all the moments, Harami-type moments of the show were, like, completely driven by her. Like, her idea for a maid uh, cafe at the school was, like, yes, <laughs> can we have that? And it almost seemed like they were going to do it, but then they don't. Um, yeah, her ideas for the outfits was, so like, okay, yeah, we'll go with this. Uh Works Guinea's, on getting
1: Irina to accept a, a harem for him.
0: Yeah, every time Ginny's talking about, like, we need to get, like, five more people for his harem. And, you know, and Irina's like, no, I don't accept this idea of a harem. It's only me. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I just like the goofy shenanigans harem moments. Like, everything else outside of that was just... I don't know. just wasn't that interesting. Like, it never got... I think the only part where that was outside of the harem shenanigans stuff that I was like, okay, that came out of nowhere was Rado. Like, out of nowhere they're trying to do something with him and I, it kind of feels a little bit bad. And then it goes back to like Chris said, just the whole later arc that I just, I don't, I just did. It did nothing for me. (laughs) It did nothing for me. Besides every now and then getting showing up and doing something pervy. Um, Yeah, it just, it was, it was fine. Just not very interesting at the same time. This is like, this is very shrug show. It's not bad. It's just, it's there, and I think if you like the girls in the show, you might enjoy a little more, but it didn't really do anything too interesting in the end. Had a couple of laugh out loud moments, mainly around Sylphie and just shenanigans around Guinea, but other than that, it was like, it was, it was, it was trying to do something interesting, but it never really did anything interesting, and no, obviously no real threats around him is going to be a threat because he's super overpowered, but... Yeah, it's 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 just there. The the greatest demon lord reborn is typical. Nobody has a typical harem show. <laughs> it's that sounds to you. Definitely check that out. Um, this was like easily the most obvious thing to ever happen. I was like, yeah, this character is not just a normal maid. <laughs> oh yeah. Moving on. damn on this one streaming on Crunchyroll for twelve episodes. Done by Studio Encouragement Films. The Sources of manga. The dramas are slice of life, and uh, this one follows a guy named Nagamo. And Nagamo at some point gets he's he's in Tokyo trying to, you know, live his life as a uh, musician. And at some point he gets a letter from his mother saying your father back at home is the hospital or something like that. So he quickly kind of drops his life and says, I need to go back home. Tells his current wife or not current wife, his current girlfriend at the time, you know, look, I got to go back home and take care of the sweet shop that my father is running um, and rushes back home. And when he gets there, which I think it was Kyoto he rushes back home and when he arrives there come of find out <laughs> it's not like he was dead and just had hemorrhoids or something like that it was like nothing bad um uh, but he, now that he's there he's like you know it kind of the, the letter that he received from his mother even though it was kind of an overblown it kind of made him realize the idea of mortality like you know father's not going to always be around And he really does love sweets. Like, Nagamo is like, he really loves sweets. He really (laughs) loves them sweets. Like, the the joke early on is this idea that they can't have him at the front of the store because he cries when he sells stuff. Like, he's sad to see them leave the sweets. Um, Like, he's that passionate about food. But um, he really wants to take over the shop. But the problem is that... His dad's already chosen somebody to take over the family business, and that is Itsuka, this girl that was abandoned by her father at the sweet shop. And so there's a little bit of a conflict there as Itsuka arriving there. She, being abandoned, feels like she really needs to try hard to not be kind of a dead weight in that place. So she tries really hard to, even though she's going to school too, uh, tries really hard to, you know, manage the place, and she does, you know, desire to be that useful that she could take over the business. But now Nagamo, who she feels abandoned the place, comes back. Uh, she's a little bit, you know, a little bit starky to him, so he's got to kind of gain her favor at the same time, you know, kind of prove himself, but not really, he's just kind of a doofball. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I think the more interesting thing also story-wise is that at some point you kind of realize that Nagumo didn't. Nagamo didn't really abandon the place. It was that he overheard his grandfather say that it's this is not a good fit for him and that he should, you know, go do his own thing, which he kind of obviously took very wrong, that he that he wasn't fit. Like, his grandfather didn't want him to be the person to take over the business, to go do, do something else. That's why he chose to become a musician and leave, is that he felt like his grandfather did not want him to do that, so – I'm glad they cleared that up really quickly because it felt like that would be a really nasty kind of miscommunication thing to kind of drag out. But your thoughts on day I am on? I very much enjoyed the show.
1: It's 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 got a soft, um, tender touch to a lot of the the things that are going on. A, a lot of the emotions that are involved in a lot of these stories and that inter intertwine as as the um, as the main storyline goes along, which is basically a coming of age for Itsukai. it's a um a injury and and harm and and how you heal from those those past wounds and and how family can lift you up in a lot of cases i i I think that a lot of this was fantastically the story was fantastically told all through this 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 show and I very much enjoyed it the 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 artwork was amazing the the voice acting was amazing the the character stories were amazing. I I very much
0: enjoyed myself watching this show. I Itzchak's voice was super cute. I did <laughs> super I agree. cute. I, I so he pulled she that did. off so well. Of course, they had like a dialect there. Um, mm-hmm. It's very heavy. I'm glad the subtitlers decided not to make everything have a stupid southern twang like they always do with the with the subtitling for for dialects. I, I really hate that. But um, they, they did it here and there, and I, I think they started building up later on. But Still, I I really do love this show. It's very, very laid back, wholesome. And what's interesting is when we when we first see the synopsis for this, the obvious, the thing at some point that happens is uh, Nagumo, her, his, mo- his mother his out, mother out of nowhere says, look, Itsuka's father abandoned her. We don't know where their mother is at. Um, you should be her father figure. And Nagumo doesn't really, like, he doesn't go, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. It never really paints it because the initial when we seen the synopsis was like, oh, this is going to be another bunny drop. We're going to have a bunny drop show where the the very young girl is abandoned and this guy steps in and takes care of her and becomes the parental figure. Never really does that. I mean, he's just kind of there and supports her. I think it really early on, like their first encounter together, he just kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to become her father, but I will always be there for her. Like he wants to be that some sort of figure, some sort of rock for her to stand on. And I do like that. I I, I like that. It didn't kind of take the obvious turn, but rather just kind of be very subtle about it. This is a surprisingly, it has emotional points throughout this show. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's always kind of surrounding wholesomeness. Everything's kind of very wholesome. It's very subtle stuff. A lot of the stories are getting into is not high drama. Now, granted, you can argue that that's just kind of very light writing. Um, So if you're expecting like huge plot points for characters with like heavy storylines that are going to get into some deep psychological stuff, don't really come into the show expecting that. Expect to kind of come into these very, again, wholesome stories, very subtle stories that, yes, technically affect people's lives – but at the same time, it's not going to get melodramatic. And I – obviously, anybody who listens to me long enough knows that I I love when shows aren't melodramatic because I hate melodrama. I mean, it's literally the opposite to Tomodachi Game where everybody's like, you know, at each other's throat and claiming that a murderer – because should, they shouldn't be around a murderer and then the next minute go, oh, never mind. I actually really like you. <laughs> That's not this show. This is like complete opposite. This is just, just very subtle. Very heartwarming. Uh, I, I think like the best example I can give for anybody that watched Flying Witch, Very, fe- it feels very like that. Very just laid back, relax, enjoy your time. Every now and then have these little heartwarming moments where yes, this daughter thinks that her mom's always making fun of her and then realizing, no, she actually likes that about you. She likes this the face you give. It's just, it. it's super cute. There's so many cute little moments that just really warm your heart. I will say that like, Early on, I, I had this expectation that it was going to be mainly about Nagumo and Itsuka and about their relationship. And then, really quickly, they almost took a backseat to everybody else. Like, randomly, like, oh, there's this person over here. Let's start following their story. And it's like, wait, why are we going over here? Let's go back to Itsuka and Nagumo. And I, I think it's really because, again, that's not the focus is their relationship, even though, yes, technically, the overarching story is really the building of their relationship but i feel like it was trying to take its time like it's not trying to make it all about these two but more so how they kind of grow closer due to these experiences with other people and i, I was, think that was i think that was good in one sense but kind of disappointing in another sense cuz i would have loved more of their relationship building but i think it was more natural this way
1: i was trying to explain when i said when i said that this is a healing show it, i i was trying to Give an idea of how this show feels. It's not a Yash K. It is a show about healing in a lot of ways, and I think it's a very it's very gentle in it in its in its storytelling and its healing aspects that are involved in these stories. Each story being something that is kind of a um, it's a character drama moment, but it's not a like Andrew said, it's not melodrama. It's it's something that is important to this particular character. Yeah. It's something that's important to this character, this one particular character, or that particular character. But at the same time, it's not something that's um, monumental, you know, state secret type thing. It's something that's important to that character, and it's very gentle in the way that it handles
0: that that particular story. Yeah, it it, it sucks to say because I know that there's. I know that there's a lot of people out there that they like simplicity. And I think there's other people out there that don't like simplicity. Like, unless there's something really grabbing them, they're going to be upset about it and they're going to feel let down. So I, I think I'm just trying to gauge that, that difference there is, is to, to not ha- expect crazy drama points to expect that these are, it's a simpler life, simpler. It's technically a simpler town. Like they're he's going from like big city back to his hometown Things are a lot more simpler there, and everybody's a lot more laid back, and so things are a lot more chill. And I think it's kind of portrays that very well. A lot of the characters are just kind of just trying to chill and relax. For instance,
1: Nagamo loses his chestnut he- headpiece. He's just a
0: dork. Neither one of us has talked about this. I kind of said it at some point, but... Let's address the fact that Nagamo well, is a dork. He's he an is. absolute dork, and I think that's what's so lovable about him. And I think that's what eventually kind of breaks Itsuka, and he's it's like, <laughs> "This guy's a dork. This guy's a baka." And
1: he loses his his chestnut chestnut headpiece, and it's important to him. And in that, when it comes down to it, it's
0: not like. This comes down to like a the world, multiple but, district search party going on.
1: Yeah, it, and and it does it does have a heartwarming story behind why he likes the chestnuts. But when it comes down to it, he's a like Andrew said, he's a dork, and the chestnut is important to him. And it's 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 things like that that is gentle in its way, its storytelling, and that's the, I think is an excellent example of. Not everything is like that. There's other things that are that are kind of drama points. This is just a good example of why it's it's important to him. Not everybody else will see it the same way. And Itsuka it just so happens to be the one that solves that problem for him. And it and it was very sweet in the way it does that. And I loved it.
0: I did like the fact that Itsuka, especially early on, it really does feel like they were going to go in a, a route with her in the idea of, you know, this is this is technically a kid. This is a child. And yet she's feels like the necessity to not be a burden. So she has to, she overworks herself mm-hmm. and not she doesn't really get to enjoy her childhood. And I really thought they were gonna get more into that. Um but I they, I again I think it's kind of one of those aspects similar to uh Kisachi's story and the idea that she's over she's over serious about what she's doing, and then I think everybody around them kinda have to make them realize, you know, just chill, relax. <laughs> That's not what this is about. Like, relax and just enjoy what you're doing. And I think that's kind of a reminder to them and technically those around them that it's, again, simpler life, simpler times, (laughs) relax kind of thing. Which, again, is to the credit of what they're going for here, which, again, is more wholesome and relaxation, which I I think it really pulled it off, despite Nagamo being an absolute dork. Did I mention that he's a dork? He's a dork. It's a lovable dork. We like him. (laughs) And Isika eventually even, realizes. Even, yeah, even so. even the one who fights fights it the hardest is the one that. Uh, I, think I think that's what yeah. she needed. I think that's what she needed because everybody else around her is either super serious about their work or you know dedicated to that work. And again, I think she kind of It well, doesn't really outright they, say it, but Itsuka really does. You know, copy that in that she works really hard and doesn't enjoy life. And I think well, Nagama coming back. Kind of reinterjects that into her that she should enjoy life. Exactly. They
1: they both in in a in a in a strange way they both needed each other. It, Itsuka gave him the motivation to be more serious, and Nagumo gave her the the motivation to let go and be enjoy life. And so I think both of them
0: were absolutely crucial for each other. There you go. Last day, I'm on. Check, definitely check that out. I would love another season. Absolutely. Um, felt very good. Um, at the end, but would love more. So, Last one we have is RPG Real Estate. This one is RPG Furusan. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes, done by Studio Dogokobo. The source is a manga, and the genres are comedy, fantasy. And this one takes place in a fantasy setting, like you, you'd believe. Um, the Demon Lord was defeated, and <laughs> everybody still has to live on, so one thing that most people need, obviously, is a place to stay. Whereas you know most adventurers go to inns and stuff, most people they actually need to settle down. So there needs to be a real estate company that will actually accommodate those folks. And so we follow one such place. Uh, we have uh, Rufuri, Rufuria, uh, Rakira, and Fa work at this one real estate place, and this girl named Katone is now moving to this town. And is actually getting a job to work at this place. Well, first, she walks in and they think that she's looking for a place. So they help her find a place. And then she goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm also working here. <laughs> so uh, she kind of learns the ropes from everybody and helps different creatures, people, adventurers, such and such, find places to live. Including even the place where the Demon Lord's, like, headquarters was at. They actually turn into amusement park and places to stay, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But your thoughts? Oh, um, it got real dark. Chris. Yes, are you going to, are you going to bash
1: the show? Cause it got super dark. <laughs> no, not really. I, Nobody it, believed it. Come on. It didn't. I don't know. I did enjoy this show, especially the first eight. When, when it comes down to it, I, I made the joke about how I was hoping that this would do better than, um, the, um, dragon goes house hunting and in a lot of ways it did do better um but when it comes down to it it still had what seems like the same issue in a in a weird way where it's trying to play on the rpg tropes and but it kind of moved away from that kind of quicker than than the dragon goes house hunting The Dragon Goes House Hunting really got, it it was almost like it kept doubling down on it. We're going to keep going on this. We're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. And this one was like, yeah, that's what we're doing. But let's do it from this angle or let's do it from this angle. It didn't really double down on it so much as it just went, oh, yeah. Well, and I think that Andrew had had it nailed on the head when he said, um, is this, uh, is the order goes, uh, uh, is the order a rabbit, uh, in, in RPG real estate, uh, side. It really was, it it was the girl, cute girls doing cute things. And it just so happens to be a real estate, uh, uh, for fantasy setting. And that's really what it ended up being. And, And in a lot of cases, that's what I really enjoyed about it until it got dark. And then I went, I'm never watching this show ever again. No, it, it 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 did fine. Um, when it when it started going to the dark side, it was okay. I see what you're doing. Okay,
0: it, it just technically was a, the OP kind of flags it. Yeah, <laughs> the OP has like cute little fa covered in blood. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, it it, it really kind of made the world
1: story. It dragged the real world story and explained one of the question characters and it kind of dug into that and that's really what they were kind of going for and i i see what they were doing so do i want to see more yeah i would love to see it if if they can kind of stay on the more lighter side and just have that as the darkest that they ever (laughs) go because i really don't want to see these girls cry so yeah
0: yeah i i I don't really have too much to say on this show I Like I said, I, I think the joke is there That it's pretty much Very feely like Izzy Order a Rabbit Early on, but instead they're doing Instead of pouring Tea and stuff, they're taking people out to places To look at, and yeah, I I, I think I, I agree with Chris in that it's, it's pretty much hitting on all the RPG tropes As usual, you know you can go live here for really cheap, but you have to be okay with adventurers coming in and tear, tearing through all your stuff. <laughs> yes, we got that joke. Um, it kind of does all those and kind of gets through all of them. And I think at some point it kind of just starts to do its own thing, where it goes, "Okay, well, let's just have you know different personal stories of different people that are looking for specific places." And that's our whole point. They have to figure out what what makes their their client tick and really find a place that fits them. So yeah. I need a place to live with my huge, gigantic flying unicorn thing. Well, everything's super expensive that has space for that thing in town, so we have to figure something out that works for him. Okay, so obviously this right here makes perfect sense. Let's do this instead. Um, that's kind of what it's going for and it's just very shrug stories for me. Most of the time it's just really kind of my driving force was just cute girls doing cute things plus etchy. This is like this isn't like Izzy is Order Rabbit, where it's very tame, um, cutesy girls. This is kind of Izzy Order Rabbit. Yes, technically, Izzy Order Rabbit had characters and undies every now and then, but this one kind of just goes a little bit further. It gets lo- and every episode has to have some like super. We know what they're doing here. We know exactly what they're selling right here. Um, it gets risky and itchy um, a lot. So, if you're looking for something that's more in that risky area with cute girls doing cute things, this is what it kind of delivers. Um, other than that, those those moments are about the only thing that was really entertaining about the show because everything outside of that was just very, very basic stuff here. Um, I did enjoy getting a little more into the characters. Obviously, Rufia, uh, Rufuria is, like, super selfish. And then later on, you realize, oh, she doesn't want to just ditch because it always seems like she wants to find any opportunity to move up in the chain and ditch the <laughs> the real estate place. Um, but then you kind of find out why what, what's her driving force and it's like oh okay cute that's all she could have said that earlier uh, <laughs> rocky dodge is literally the warrior reject um there's no more war so and she's a family of warriors so what is she gonna do kind of thing um is just adorable fa is just super adorable runs around being fa and uh katoni i think katoni was a great main character um she's not really it doesn't seem like she's she's just like super caring and that's really her driving force and i it's endearing it's something that you enjoy watching so solid cast um i think the the biggest upset i think i had with the show was that it just didn't look good um it didn't look good at all this is very disappointing for dogokobo i kind of mentioned that before with um um what was the what was the other show that they messed up with um childhood friend won't lose dogokobo did that one and it was like Super rough looking. And I felt like this was the same team. Like, Dogokobo's got an A uh, A team and a B team. This is the B team. (laughs) It didn't look good. Um, I joked early on in our first impressions. They had, like, this one scene where it seemed like Rakira's eyes were running away from her nose. Um, It's just... I don't know. It's not terrible, but at the same time, had some really rough shots. And that was a little bit disappointing. Because, as I always say, the best thing to have with the cute girls doing cute things is cute girls and when their eyes are running away from their nose they're not so cute <laughs> they're they're kind of cute but they're not as cute as they could be you're worried for them instead of going oh you're going oh <laughs> don't do that um, so yeah that's um, that's RPG real estate cute girls doing cute things with some uh, a good focus on the etchy and um, shenanigans and Foz is adorable
1: Next scene is in
0: next uh, season is in the in the island paradise. Spoiler, thanks, Chris. Right, thanks for spoiling everything, Chris. Is there anything else you want to reveal about the whole show? Before, yeah. We-
1: how about I reveal <laughs> the secret of the song?
0: Who is Fa? Because
1: <laughs> we totally didn't see that
0: coming. Um, anyways, that's that's it for our first part of our spring twenty 2020, twenty spring twenty twenty two. Reviews. I don't know why I'm tripping up on that. Uh so next week we are expecting to do at least Sprigun, Skeleton Knight, Heroin Run the Show, Miss Shachiku, Day Day Live Season Four. Um, Love After World Domination question mark. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's Absolutely. for sure Chris is watching that show. I think Chris is the only person that loves that show. <laughs> um <laughs> I know there's other people that do. Uh, Q? Probably the, not. Probably not. I we, I think we're both in the same boat. We really want to watch it, but we don't think it's going to happen. Um, Spy X Family. I'm sorry. Spy Family. Can't say X. Uh, don't Hurt Me, My Healer. Birdie Wing? Absolutely. There you go. Birdie Wing's coming. Kaganato uh, Season 2. Uh, the, 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 the Rising of the Shield Heroes second season. I guess we'll talk about that. Uh, Dawn of the Witch. Demon Girl Next Door. Kaguya Sama Love is War. Ultra romantic. Konichi Sabaki. I think he's trying to watch the um, Komi song Can't Communicate, yeah. but I don't know when that's I'm supposed about, to end. I'm just over halfway through. Is it supposed to end? I don't know. Nobody I knows know. when it's ending. We'll see. Um, and I think that's it. Um, I guess Life Hack of Kawashiri. I don't know if one of us will watch that. Oh, Onipon as well. Y- y- if you're gonna no, it,
1: you going to watch that, Onipon's going to the
0: season. That's right. So. If
1: you're gonna watch it, watch it. Uh, otherwise, just just to say no.
0: You sneeze and it finishes. I don't know. It, it, it's literally gonna take two seconds to watch that show. Yeah, Onipon, uh, Awashi, uh, a couple of cuckoos, and summertime rendering will go into the season. So we'll talk a little bit about them and give our thoughts on them so far. I would, I'd love to talk. Uh, any chance I can talk about summertime rendering? I'm going to do it. So we'll see. We'll see. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So next week's probably gonna be longer. <laughs> <laughs> next week's probably gonna be longer. Spriggin kind of came out of nowhere, so that's another one to throw onto the list, so. And I think there's another show coming like this week. Which one was it coming this week? Oh, bastard. That's probably another one. We'll see. We'll see if I can get a chance to watch it, but Anywho, hope you guys enjoy this episode as always, and we thank everybody for their support, both by telling other people about us, which definitely helps us out. Getting word of mouth is the best way to spread our podcast, and we definitely appreciate that. And again, additionally, uh, supporting us on Patreon, our tips link, and our uh, super thanks button if you're on YouTube. All the links are at uh, talkaspear.com. We also have a, a merch place, shop.talkaspear.com. And uh, yeah, we thank everybody for their support as always, and y'all take care.
2: Ose!